on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Matt Nick will have some skeleton crew character info to dump on your faces. Remember the Mandalorian Season 4 movie rumor? Yeah? Well, that's heating up again and may be a real thing, so the dudes will discuss that too. They'll then shift into a fun fan debate covering the top scenes from the prequels, Kenobi, and the Solo movie. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of top five Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie. Everybody, that's for you, Ralphie boy. That's right. If you're a Stern Show fan, you heard the news last week. Ralph Sorella at 58 is dead, which is crazy to think about, especially if you're someone like me that's been listening to the show for over 30 years. I've actually met Ralph and got to hang out with Ralph a few times uh, back in my gaming media days when I'd head out there. Uh, and get some opportunities through the uh, through Geek Time, Ralph's show he used to do on on Howard's channel. So uh, I guess yeah, I don't want to start on a down note here. It's just a reminder to you all, especially you men out there that don't like feelings, kind of like me. You never know when one of your buddies could literally be dead the next day. So reach out, say hello, give them a high five. Life is precious, as they say. But we're here. And we're ready to have some fun. You know, we, we, we have been giving you the fruits of our labor for really the past month or so with these special topics. And, and we've got the first phase of what has turned into a massive special topic because I cannot control myself. You know, if, if we let Nick run the show, everything would be quick, tight, to the point. But when you let me get my hands into the recipe, things get a little more, um, a little more convoluted, a little more detailed than they probably need to be. So last week, one of you spit out there, hey, top scenes, that's an idea, and, and we are a, a podcast for the people. So of course, we wrote that down, and we considered it, and we were like, you know what, let's go ahead and make that the special topic. In my head, I was thinking we were going to get through all nine films and the TV, mostly live-action Star Wars no problem, do it in a show, until I started sit down and, and mapping out my thoughts from the prequels to the sequels. And um, after an, an hour or so of regurgitating useless Star Wars movie scenes from my brain, I hit up young Nick and I'm like, listen, brother, I fucked this up. This is now going to be a multi-phase special topic. So <laughs> this week, we're just zeroing in on the prequels. Kenobi and Solo, because on paper, they kind of felt like an era to me, even though era, I know they are not, <laughs> but you're just going to have to live with it. So this week, we're going to get the top scenes from the prequels, Kenobi and Solo. Next part will be Andor through Return of the Jedi. And then we're thinking the final phase here. If we don't bump this out to four, you never know. We might need to stretch the content, but we'll do the Mandoverse TV shows through the sequels. So... Um, lots of fun stuff to talk about. We have 23 moments highlighted from, and this is combined. It's not, I know some of you are like, holy shit, Matt came up with 23 moments from the prequels. He must be high already. Well, how many of those not, are from AOTC? 
I actually think most of my moments might be from Chloe. <laughs> so we really have like seven good moments and 16 moments yeah. from AOTC Listen, that I, I will you know, ignore. <laughs> I always have to make my case to Judge Nick. Judge Nick is he's a much more critical fan than myself these days. I, I've become a little bit more of just kind of the, duh, 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 I like Star Wars, blah, blah, one of those types of fans. Somewhat brainless, but I like it. So I, I'm sure you'll get some flamethrowing Nick coming out here. Let me know why I'm stupid. And, and that's why we do what we do. So it, it'll be fun. But before we get there, real quick, if you're on the live stream, if you're not on the live stream, go to hell. But if you want to get on the live stream, Tuesdays, 5 p. East, YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. Real quick for a pop culture segment because we don't have much to talk about. Uh, you guys talking about the Game Awards, good stuff there. Um, Nick, you know, he, he had himself a celebration for Baldur's Gate winning GOTY. Even though he has not completed the game, he still believes it was a righteous oh, award. Yeah. It's and, um, the best game hands down <laughs> probably the best game that was developed in the last 10 years damn man and i like i respect your gaming opinion i i i just think it's because i was relegated to the steam deck only which the game runs fine on it but not quite what you're gonna get on a real rig yeah uh, but anyways for the sake of time here because like i said we got 23 moments to talk about mostly from the prequels so all you motherfuckers out there they're like oh this guy's an old washed up shithead that just yells at the clouds I, 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 they, they have a place in my heart. We'll call it a special place, as in that type of special, but there is a place for the prequels in my, my um, prequel not-loving soul. But before we get there, real quick, especially you family motherfuckers out there, Family Switch on Netflix, great little family Christmas movie. Okay, we watched it last or this past Saturday with the, with the Haywood gang, and uh, my love for Jennifer Garner aside... I mean, she's, I've loved this lady since Alias. She, she can do no wrong. It's, it's funny as fuck, all right? And I don't think I was on too many drugs. I think they were good, natural belly laughs. So Family Switch, you've been looking for kind of a tangential, fun, comedy type of Christmas movie to watch with the group? Got you right there. Netflix has you covered. And, and Nick, I don't want to get into our, our business of streaming, but my God, have you seen... Max has essentially said, hey, hey, Ted Sarandos, do you want all of our content now? Because here you go. Yeah. I mean, they've got like all the DC shit now. It's wild what has shown up on Netflix that used to live on Max. So yeah. as you teased over to summer, yeah. it sounds like the Max CEO was like, hey, that young Nick, he had some good ideas. We're going to start leasing our content out to these other streamers. Eventually, I'm going to ask these companies to start paying me for taking all of the ideas that I say on this show. But yeah, I mean, what's a, what's an easier way to make money than just say, hey, do you guys want the content that we already have? Pay me for it. So there you go. That's yeah. how you get it done. It just I, Every time I see it, I'm like, look at Nick. Look at this motherfucker not collecting a hot penny for his consulting. So I mean, nope. we, we should start <laughs> SWTS Consultants. We cover everything from pop culture to streaming business models. All right. Hey. Sign us up. You know, I, 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 these, I only charge 60 an hour for teaching, but if it consulting, it's about 160 to 200. So oh, those yeah. are, those oh, yeah. are our rates right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Nick, we're going to try something new at the start of the show here. Uh, I've seen Beyond the Dune C do this. I think it's a good way to kind of get fans locked in. You know, people like to feel special, like they're being called upon in class, like they're being highlighted. 
So in one of our stories this week to prime you for our special topic, we I, I asked, hey, anything for us? And I didn't think anyone would bite, but lo and behold, we actually did get three questions. So we may start doing this to, if we do get questions back, and it's not from the same person every week, but just questions for us instead of us asking you a question. We're still going to do question of the week. Don't worry. The, the 10 of you that reply every week will still get your time in the spotlight. But for now, we're going to try something a little new. We've got three questions coming from the SWTS community. All right, Nick, I've seen these, so I'll, I'll let you kind of tee off on them right away. This one comes from our buddy Rippick Tan. Okay. Haven't seen Rippick pop up in a while on the question of the week, so glad he got this one here. But he is asking us, out of the newer Star Wars projects, do you have a favorite piece of music that isn't Johnny Wills? Um, I would, I would, I would focus you in on probably uh, Mando, Mando, Andor, Ahsoka, Book of Boba. Yeah, I mean, I think that the one that stands out the most to me is the Mandalorian theme song for obvious reasons. Like it was really the, like it. So L- Ludwig, yeah, Ludwig L- Göransson or whatever. Ludwig Göransson, however you say his name. Yeah, I think that like that theme was the first thing that we really heard for what is essentially now the star Wars TV universe. And it, it not only like set the, set the standard for that show. Like you can see that like the other shows kind of like, you know, specifically book of Boba Fett and uh, like uh, other connected Mandoverse properties have kind of like iterated on the Mandoverse theme to make their theme like specifically like book of Boba Fett is very similar to the Mandoverse theme or the Mandalorian theme song. So if there was one piece of music to me, it would definitely be the, the Mandalorian opening theme music. Yeah, I'm, I'm, wish, I'm with, um, with you on the Ludwig stuff. The guy has created two anthems in the uh, Mando theme and then Boba's theme. I mean, it, it, no one's ever going to f- forget the Boba, especially at the end of the season where they actually just started saying, Boba Fett, doo-doo-doo. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, that's awesome. But I think Rippick for me... It's going to be a toss-up between, I think his name's Nicholas Patel and Kevin Kiner. Kiner's work on Ahsoka, I believe, was as close to Johnny Wills as a, um, as a non-Johnny Wills has come. I think he incorporated a lot of memorable themes and kind of added his own twist to them. But really, what Bertel did in Andor, in, in changing the intro music to every episode, changing the, the, the pace of it, the tone of it, uh, you know, the, the Neomo song. I mean, how there's been so many good songs. But yeah, I'd, I'll go with Kevin Kiner and Ahsoka for a final answer. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That makes I sense. I like this. I like and those. I forget the one is Ishi Guy. I think that's Sabine's song. That's a kick ass. And then the other song outside of Neomos, Nick, the Adelphi bass track from Mando season three. I forget the title, but that's another banger. All right, next question for you, young Nick is, and this comes from Dago YJ. Why didn't the Jedi realize that Palpatine was a Sith? I'll let you I mean- take a stab at that. I think that like, yeah, I mean, Yoda kind of made mention of that when he was talking to Anakin and they're like, you know, they're separate, like one-on-one sit down when Anakin was talking about his visions of the future. And like, he mentioned that like things were clouded. The dark side is starting to cloud the force and it's making, 
you know, seeing the future uh, more unreliable than it already is. So what I think is that like there was just kind of it's almost like when there's like a deep fog, like when there's a very heavy fog and you're trying to look forward through the fog and you can't really see anything. It's probably something similar that was happening in the force at that time is that, you know, there was this unquestionable shroud of darkness that was kind of laying over everything. Like there was this specter of darkness that was just kind of, you know, taking up space in the force and it was so thick that it that they couldn't tell where it was coming from like there was there was you know the war going on like that all that is that has like a huge effect on how the force is is reacting to the galaxy so you not only do you have the war that's like clouding everything in the force but you also have this like long standing specter of darkness that's been around since you know Darth Maul showed up in in TPM and probably even starting to creep in before that. So I think it was just like there were so many things that were happening at one time and everything was kind of hazy and it was it was harder to pin down like this is the guy he's right here and 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 that's the situation. I also think that it probably there's you could add in that that Palpatine was probably in some way shape or form kind of like masking his force presence like that's something that we really haven't discussed in in the the moving pictures area of star wars before but it is something that was possible and that had been done in the novels and and i think even in the comic series to some degree too that you could well, like you, you are right because remember luke did it in tlj it, he, or in the pre sequels they couldn't find him because he he was he severed his connection yeah, so like there's different ways that you could kind of like mask your force presence, whether it be like like Luke where he like severed himself from the force and nobody could see him, but he couldn't see anybody else either. Or if it was just like this in this kind of like a shroud over your presence. So right. that that's kind of my thoughts on, on I'm that gonna one. like I, I'm gonna take what Nick said and add it to the hubris of the Jedi, as has been explained by both Yoda and and Jake Skywalker later on and we've seen it through tales of the jedi mostly through dooku's little thread i mean he's sitting there going hey guys shit's fucked up here i'm having visions of shit being fucked up we're gonna get fucked up and yoda always be like hey visions are bullshit you're an idiot shut up i'm yoda uh same really mace window the same way they're always like we are the jedi we are awesome we've been kicking ass for Hey, remember they, they called that us the High Republic. Yeah, we they called us the High Republic. We were wearing gold shits. Remember Yoda? You were wearing gold shits. We are awesome. So there is no way the Sith could ever rise right underneath our nose, let alone sit in our meeting rooms with us and talk to us. So it, it's like Nick said, you just had this, their vision was blanketed, but because they were so goddamn arrogant, ignorant, and cocky, about their order that they they just they weren't even thinking to pay attention to any warning sign they weren't even listening to their own membership all right true and the last one here comes from our buddy nova this is if you're a stern fan i'll read this and you should understand his what he was getting at here who did a better job of portraying a younger ot character ewan mcgregor or donald glover your thoughts (laughs) Right. That's a that's a um, a Bobo mentioned from the Stern show. Mm-hmm. But a, a good question, Nick. What do you think? Who who did better portraying the younger version of their OT character? 
Ewan or Donald? I mean, that's a really good question. Oh man, it's it, that's a, that's a tough one. Because here's the thing: you act- had a lot more opportunity. Yeah, like you, <laughs> U- had triple the opportunity that Donald did. But I, I got will his own say series. this, and this is going to be controversial. But I'm going to limit it to the prequels and not to the TV series for Kenobi. I think that Donald nailed it first try. I think that he came out the gates. And with very like if you if you look at the amount of time that he was in that movie and and what he was given to work with and and what he did in in probably less than an hour of screen time, he fucking nailed young Lando. And I and I think that if you just take into account, if you only take into account the the prequels, I think that there's a lot of questionable shit in the prequels around all of the characters. And I'm not saying that that's the, the actor's fault. I'm just saying yeah, that's like not, not Ewan's fault, but yeah, it's, a, it's a material problem. <laughs> you know, it's a material problem. So I like, actually, you know, if it's, if we're just going prequels versus solo, I think that with the, the limited space that Donald had to work with, he nailed what I thought young Lando was going to be like, like, T for T like he was he was on it and like there's some shit in the prequels where it's like Kenobi in in AOTC is almost unwatchable like I don't I don't know you don't like his mullet in in the attack of the clones the the haircuts awful the line reads are like I mean like the line reads in AOTC are some of the worst that I've ever seen yeah he Obi-Wan's Period. Pretty rough in AOTC. In in TPM, he's a little bit of a dickhead, which I yeah. kind of like. Like you can tell, he hates Anakin. He wants to wants yeah. him to die. It's um, like you see the character journey there, but I just feel like it's not till Rots that he starts to kind of feel like Kenobi. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like it takes him two movies to really be like, oh, this is this is Kenobi. Like like Rots Kenobi is Kenobi. Like is is young Kenobi, and that follows over in, into the TV show as well. Because he essentially like you and iterates on Rot's Kenobi to get to the Kenobi that we see in the series. Fuck. Whereas like TPM and AOTC, it's like I watch AOTC Kenobi. I'm like, dude, I don't even like are is somebody holding a cue card in front of your face and, and you're like reading the lines off of it? Like it's bad. That's your life. You can't lose your B-Mad, thank you for the donation. Yeah, so so B Mad paid up, so he gets a he gets, he gets a question it. in late. That's that's quite all right. If you want to yes. pay for questions, we can sit here all day. Okay, we'll be here till eight o'clock. But it's a good one actually. B Mad is asking us whose lightsaber is your favorite and least favorite. Um, shit. Uh, I'm gonna ha- shit. This is. I'm gonna tough. give a controversial answer right Go off ahead. the top. If, if, if Ky- you got Kylo it. Ren is my favorite lightsaber. I, you know what? It, it, it crossed my mind as one of the top choices because it is so unique. That cross guard, the 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 chaotic energy that comes out. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give you that. All right. Damn it. <sighs> Fuck. I mean, just I go off a hilt, blade, sound the blade. Damn it, guys. I might I might have to say the dark saber. Dark saber is a good one too. And yeah. I don't I don't like that because you know I love Luke's greeny. And I love Vader's because it's he took Anakin's and made it Vader. I, I fuck. Yeah. But I'll, like if I'll you ask with, me what the most iconic saber is, completely different answer. You know, like yeah. most iconic saber, Skywalker family saber iteration, 
with Vader's as well. I would put those two one and two. Like I, I would put the blue blade and the red blade as one and two, and then I would put I would put Luke's green one right green. under it. I know. But Fuck. like my favorite, like that my favorite blade is Kylo's because of everything you said. Like that blade when it turned on, the sound, the look, the visceral yeah. nature of it. Like that blade is the first blade I was like. That's a dark side lightsaber like that. It's not some elegant <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's, it is a blade that is made of chaos and pain. And that is that is made to instill chaos and pain upon the galaxy. I was like, that no, blade it's a good, it's is a good call. just boom. And I like I like the justification of favorite versus iconic. So I don't feel as bad now. But the dark saber, it's got a beautiful flat hilt and that the, the color of the blade that comes out, it's almost like a an anti color. You know, it's like a null. I, I, I just love it. All right. So least this is easy for me. Mace Windows. Least I, I, is Mace. I, I hate the character. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> we, 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 we see how big of a dickhead he is in the prequels. He's an even bigger dick in Tales of the Jedi. To me, Mace Windu has zero redeeming qualities outside of how he is portrayed in uh, Gennady Tarkovsky's Clone Wars. He has a really cool scene where he takes on a battalion of of droids. That's the only time I've been like, oh, Mace Windu's cool. Yeah. But his 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 blade is pompous as fuck. It's got gold inlays all in it. It's very cylindrical. It, it doesn't really even have a, 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 an emitter. It's just it, it's it's too clean. It it's like a fucking pimp lightsaber. So fuck him and his lightsaber. Thank you. Yeah, I'm kind of going to go off of the same like direction that you did and say Sidious is from like. Yeah, from, it's like they're, they're like dildos, you know, yeah, they're like that, vibrators are too smooth. They're they're very phallic. They're very like <laughs> and they don't like here's what I'll say, too. It's like it doesn't feel like their personality matches their wielder like they're. The thing about like some of these blades is like, especially with like seeing the iteration of the Skywalker family blade to Vader's blade is like, you see the personality and the wielder change. And like with Kylo's blade, like you see the personality and the wielder of that blade. And with, with, with Sidious, it's like, this is a dark evil motherfucker. And like, yeah, I get that. Like he is, you know, in this position as chancellor and stuff like that. But like the blade doesn't feel like it matches his personality. There's no darkness in that blade. There's, there's not like a, there, I, I don't look, no, if you showed yeah. me that, that hilt and that blade and you were like, and, and I didn't know who was associated with it. I would not say that that was Palpatine's blade for sure. Yeah. They, they, it looks like a butt plug. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not what I expected when I was like, Oh, the, the, the emperor, the, this, this, this evil, character is gonna is gonna brandish a weapon for the first time and that's what it the looks senate. like senate he's like i am the senate and then he makes that crazy guttural sound as he twists spins like yeah <laughs> and you guys tell me revenge of the sith yeah Cl clone okay. wars so so b yeah. said clone wars city's plays were cool clone wars city the, there was the 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 scene where he's fighting asajj or not asajj she's fighting savage and he's fighting maul at the same time and he busts out the two sabers and he's doing a bunch of spin moves like they look a little bit better there but like the blade yeah. he whips out in the no, in the you, chambers you like, you're right not, it's fine because they're, they're they're really mace and sidious is they have similarities they're they, very they got similar. like that polished chrome some gold inlay there mace is just a little bit longer he likes a foot long 
Yeah. Where Sidious is more into things you can, you know, jam up your crack. Hand, handheld. Um, all right. I, I, I dig this. So hopefully we'll, we'll get more questions the next time we try it. That was kind of fun. All right. Well, I think that, uh, that, that kind of takes us into the meat of the show. We got a few little newsy things to get into before we uh, have the fun with today's special topic. But uh, some of these we, we've, we've talked about before, and I'm interested to see what, what, what Nick is thinking here. All right, so up first, some Skeleton Wars news, or, or Skeleton Crew news coming from uh, reliable leakers out there, Bestman Bulletin and MSW. In fact, Nick, it looks like MSW has been taken off the internet. I, I don't know if, if Jason just was tired mm. of paying the bills or, or keeping a website running, because it does kind of suck to, to run a website, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but he doesn't really post anymore. He'll, he'll post to whatever Reddit will let him in here. But anyways... Uh, the first update on Skeleton Crew came from Bespin Bulletin. We're starting to get some character names, and both of these names are for uh, two of the kid cast members, which we know will be the main cast. Um, so, up first here, and th- this will be difficult mm-hmm. for those of you that did not watch the leaked Skeleton Crew trailer. Uh, we have a synopsis in this post on StarWarsTime.net if you want to check it out. Uh, may or may not have lifted it from Bespin Bulletin. That's okay. We like to share here. Gave him credit down there. Uh, but please read the synopsis if you're not familiar with what we're about to talk about because it, it'll help you visualize a bit. But if you're on the stream, you, you see our boy Max Rebo up there, and there's a reason for that. Uh, in the trailer for Skeleton Crew, and in this, it, it wasn't released, so you didn't miss anything. This was the celebration trailer that you know has been leaked a few times, has been recapped, so I, I, I've seen it. But there's a there's a point in a trailer where you see a little Ortolan, which is the the species of Max Rebo. And uh, it, it's made clear that 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 character is going to be one of the kid characters. Well, we now know this little Ortolan's name, Nick. And it, it's kind of funny. It, it happens to just be Neil. Neil. And, N-E-E-L, <laughs> but pronounced Neil. And I, I, I kind of dig it that they're given such a common English name to a young alien character, especially one that's going to look like a miniature Max Rebo. I've even heard that this this little Neil Nick, he's going to have like a tiny tuft of hair in his head, kind of like <laughs> how Cartman has in South Park. So yeah. um, I don't know. We, we think about Neil, Neil, Dude, it, the, the Ortolan. <laughs> it's funny, too, because like. The other Ortolan that we know, his his name is Max. Like so, apparently Ortolans just have very very standard English names. Max. Oh, yeah, you know and what? Neil. That's a great point. <laughs> That's a great point. That's just how they roll over there. Yeah, on they're like, Ortolan. you know what, man? It's like we're not doing all this Gabu, <laughs> Kalana crap. Yeah. Like we're Neil, Max, Sarah, Jim, yeah, Bob, <laughs> yeah, John. <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> So, so yeah, we're, I, I mean the names, the name, I just, I'm excited that we're going to have a, a main character miniature Max Rebo, you know, is, is Neil also musical? Is this something that they're just adept at? Who knows? But, uh, I, I just, I I thought that was funny that his name is Neil and he's going to have this, not just bald head like Max. Apparently he's got a little, little tuft of hair up there. It's going to make him look even even more silly, but cool. We all, we all love our Ortolans here or however you pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's neat. Uh, like we talked last week, we're probably not going to see Neil until about this time in Next 24. Yeah. 
but that's all right. It just means we're going to have you know, we're going to have a year to kind of build it up, get some rumors, some some leaks, start speculating on what we may see, kind of how we do. Uh, the next update comes from making Star Wars, and this is still for Skeleton Crew, Nick. Um, but he has re- revealed the name of the main kid character. And the way Jason explained it, this kid, this character will be similar to Mickey from the Goonies. All right, so uh, what's his fucking name in real life? Samwise oh. Gamgee. Oh, yeah, Jet. it's uh, Sean Astin. Yeah, Sean so, Astin. so you know how Sean Astin's character, he was kind of like the lead kid in Goonies. Mm-hmm. That's who this character is going to be. Uh, supposedly played by Ravi Cabo Conyers of Encanto fame. And this character's name is going to be Wim, W-H-I-M. So the main kid character will be Wim, and he'll be joined at least by his buddy, Neil. The funny thing is, is that this kid's real name is more of a Star Wars name than the name that they gave him. 100%. They could have just called him Yeah, he's got hyphens and everything. So. He's he's already set, but uh, so there you go. We 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 know two of the kid cast members now. At least they're they're in universe name. Neil, the Ortolan, so a mini Max Rebo, and then the main kid who will probably the ringleader, maybe the one that gets them all in trouble and lost in the first place. His name will be Wim. Wim. Uh, but like I said, if you have no idea what we're talking about how these characters have been viewed in the trailer. There is a synopsis up on starwarstime.net in the post that we are discussing. So we, we'd love a few clicks. While you're there, why don't you click on some of these Fender ads and Kalahari ads for us as well. All right, Nick, this, this next one, we, we did touch on making Star Wars rumor from a few months ago. Yep, and uh, uh, Nick has also been saying, like, look, y- y- you may have to start releasing some of this TV stuff in theaters. Even, even it may it, it could be the first episode or two, or maybe you just start canning the shit and turning them into movies. Well, it's starting to sound like now that the strikes have been settled, that what making Star Wars reported months ago as just a potential backup plan for the strikes to turn Mandalorian season four into a film, it it may be a thing now. So this is coming from oh, by the way, I want everyone to read this article on our site because <laughs> I had AI write it and I primed it. I'm like, yo, write it like you're a super fanboy. Try to be funny, use some quotes, and you should read this shit. It, it, it might make you throw up, but I love it. I mean, just <laughs> just, just uh, trusty rebel spy Jeff Snyder drops some bombshells in his podcast, The Hot Mic. Like, I, I would never write this shit. Or, hey there, fellow Star Wars enthusiasts, buckle mm-hmm. up because the galaxy's far, far away. Hey, He's going man. through more drama than a soap opera on Coruscant. I was like, our new AI intern is kicking ass and taking names. But anyways, this Jeff Snyder from the Hot Mike, who who has gotten some credit over this past year, kind of discussing the 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 Jedi Order or the new Jedi Order movie shit like that. Um, but they were they were kind of talking about this Nick, and um, you know, last week we were, we were like, oh, the Daisy movie's probably going to be first. Apparently, that report was wrong last week. So here here's what Jeff had to say about that. He's He's now saying that the Daisy movie is not going to be first because he's now hearing 
some more rumblings about what making Star Wars reported months ago about, hey, if, if this strike continues or there's at least discussions about turning Mando season four into a movie. Well, now this Jeff character is supporting that. A couple months ago, I shot this one down. And apparently he didn't didn't give credit and there was a big war. I love all this shit between nerds. It's it's funny. Um, so a couple months ago, I shot this one down that there were rumors that season four of The Mandalorian could be turned into a movie. So he's essentially saying, yeah, when making Star Wars put it out, I was like, fuck that guy. I'll sit on it and then I'll come out and take credit for it a few months down the road and sound smart. I think at the time, I didn't think that was necessarily the case. So do you see how he's infusing his own opinion versus yeah. what he might have been hearing? It's, it's kind of yeah. funny. However, that is now what I am starting to hear, that the odds are in the project's favor, whatever season four the Mandalor- Mandalorian turns out to be, whoever is in it, what it turns out, whatever shape it takes, it is looking like that could be the next Star Wars movie, and that might be the thing that's announced before the end of the year. Well, if they're going to announce it before the end of the year, they got about 18 days. So yeah, get on it. Say, that, that, that shit's running out. And, you know, Nick, this would potentially be the the 2025 slated film yeah, that yeah. We, we keep pretending is going to happen. And I mean, look, at I'm going to tell you this right now. If this is if season four of The Mandalorian is a movie, then it's the it's the full crossover. Like well, it, it's not. No, it's not going to be Dave's project. This, this is, this will be kind of a band aid to account for. I don't know, maybe lack of viewership on Disney Plus, a lack of money. Bob yeah. saying, "Hey, you only get this many dollars. You instead of making a seven hour story, now you're going to make a two hour one." So th- this truly would be what they were aiming to tell in eight episodes. Not, not Dave's thing yet. Yeah, I. Th- <sighs> So my issue is then like, how does this affect the timeline? How does this affect the release of everything else? Well, you're right. Cause if they're doing this, Nick, do they just poo poo Ahsoka season two? Does that also become a movie or, or does that get shoved in the parts of this? Yeah. This, and like how listen, does this, skeleton crew affect that? Like what is, yeah. what is, how does this, if this doesn't come out till 2025, it's, you know, like there's a lot of things that roll down from that. Well, I mean, we we were operating that even if it stayed regular TV, 2025 would be the earliest we'd see The Mandalorian again. So in terms of real life timeline, I think they can hit either or in terms of fanboy shit. I I don't love this at all. Uh, I, I guess there are a lot of pros. I mean, hopefully you get a much more refined story, but. Listen, people, we, we've been conditioned to getting at minimum six hours of a narrative for these shows. And when you chop that down to maybe two hours, you are going to lose out on so much shit that John had planned. Deeper stories, you know, broadening relationships, expanding the universe. You're not going to be able to do all of that now. And I know some of you will be like, well, good. You're just going to get to the good shit. And like I said, there are arguments to be made for that. As a, a, a gluttonous Star Wars fan who wants as much as he can process, I do not like where this trend could be headed. Uh, and as Nick said, w- what's it going to do with the rest of, of the projects? I mean, Dave has made it sound pretty clear. Like, yeah, I've got an Ahsoka season two. We've got stories to tell before I do the endgame event. And, and if they all become movies now, as Nick said, what does that do to timelines? Yeah. So. I mean, is, is, does this become a trilogy? Do you like, 
do you build a trilogy off of this and be like, okay, well, what was Mando season four is now a movie. What was Ahsoka season two is now a movie. And then what was, and then the crossover event, boom. Okay. Well, I guess I could pallet that a bit more, Nick, because it would be a concrete plan versus what seems like knee-jerk reactions these days. But it is still, and you know, I you 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 be like, oh fuck, I'll take Ahsoka season two movie because it's less tic tac toe thrawn. Where you know people are like me, like, well, we could have got a little deeper with Ezra and maybe Luke or with Ezra in 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 the New Republic, and yeah. that type of shit is just going to get cut now because it, it's the movies will only be the true main narrative for example if mandalorian season three was a movie it would essentially just be bo katan and din linking up and then taking mandalore it's over like that's it you, you wouldn't have got anything else that there none of that character development for bo would have felt earned she would have went from being grumpy sitting on her throne to an hour later somehow has convinced all mandalorians to band together and retake the planet it, yeah, it, it, it might have been exciting, but it, it, you would have lost on all of that world and character building that season three gave us. Yeah, I mean, what I think may be happening here is like one, obviously, like you said, cost cutting measures. Um, it's it's questionable at this point whether it costs more to film a series of like a TV series or a movie. I know, um, like, or, dude, you you don't even get to return at movies these days, yeah. so I don't know like what they're thinking here. So. I mean, here, here's what I think is happening here. They're, they're looking at the cost breakdown and we're like, okay, well, if it's, you know, we're filming eight to 10 episodes for a series that costs you $10 million per episode, it's a hundred million dollars to film a show. That's what I'm assuming. I don't know if it costs $10 million. If it's a movie, you, you, so you film your, you know, $10 million. That's what it, or a hundred million dollars. That's what it costs to make the show. You, your marketing cost is far lower because you really don't have to do as much marketing for a TV series as you do for a movie, a big screen movie release. Your return unquestionably lower. Like you, you, if you release Mandalorian season four, basically what's going to happen, you'll see a small uptick in your subs for the time period that that runs. And then it's going to go back down and that's, that's what it is. Like you're going to have a lower return. Movie wise, faster production, more budget to uh, to film it, unquestioned like more marketing budget, unquestionably higher return, more than likely. Um, if you can keep your movie production costs to a hundred million dollars, which they've struggled to do for years now, and you can have a comparable production cost for both of them, and only have your increase in your marketing then you're probably going to make more money off of a movie than you are going to make off of a TV series. That's just kind of how it breaks down. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say the same thing. I think revenue is much more clear cut at the box office versus a streamer. You, you can see ticket sales for this movie equal this where, you know, if it's a, if it's a streamer, how do you really know? How yeah, many people exactly. Actually sign. It's not like you when you sign up for Disney Plus, you go, I'm signing up for this show. Click. No, you yeah. just you sign up for the platform. You get what you get. So I, I agree with you there. It, it, the, the dollars and cents are, are much more clear in terms of did we yeah. did we win or did we lose? And then what they're what they may also be testing is like they haven't been in theaters since 2019. Right. Is there so. an appetite? Yeah, like what what's there? Like and what better way to test it than like your biggest current the flagship. Yeah, you know, 
like do it with the Mandalorian. That's your biggest current fandom right now in terms of like active franchises. Um, you put that out in theaters, you see what the response is, and then you you adjust. Then you can say like, okay, expectation wise, this is our bar. Like in you know, if it makes five hundred million dollars worldwide, you'd be like, okay. Then you adjust your costs for your. Uh, then you can adjust your costs for your for like movies to come down the line, like the and you can set your your production budgets for you know the Ray Return movie. You can set your production budgets for the the other movies to come based off of what performance looks like for your Mandoverse big screen debut. I mean that that's what I would think there, um, and I think that. The reason that they may be doing this is that they've kind of they've they've kind of come to a conclusion about what streaming is and and what you can expect your profitability margins to be like for streaming because like you said it's basically what you're looking at for the release of a streaming show is how many subs reactivated how many subs how many gross new subs you got and what your watch time is on your current subs right. it's like, like that's how, the how do, three. <laughs> How do you compute dollars and cents? Yeah, it's like, it's, you know, it's a bummer. I mean, it really is. And I, I, when we first heard this rumor, I didn't want to think it could be true, but I am pretty, the writing's on the wall. I mean, there, there's changes at Disney. It's been happening ever since they brought Iger's ass back. He just doesn't want to play and, and spend the way Chappick was doing what you hate. I mean, and Chappick, Chappick was the worst thing to happen to Disney in 30 well, he, years. Cause like, he murdered, he, he, he tried to kill their bread and butter at the parks. And yeah, you know, I, I was, mean, that, that was, I kind of liked what he was doing with, with Disney plus. He was like, here, yeah, here's, here's everything. Here's, here's a bunch of millions. Just make some star Wars shit for me. But it, it is, like I said, I mean, you know, John, he had it written, you know, it was going to be eight episodes. Uh, we typically, like I said, probably get around six to seven hours of, of pure narrative. And, and if it becomes a film, that gets cannibalized big time. You got to wonder what's going to get cut. What are we going to miss out? Bat's asking, do you think Pedro not being involved has it? No, I don't. Because I'm pretty sure from day one, he always knew, like, I, I'm going to be doing other shit. We can just dub my voice in. I'm going to take my the helmet off season one. So I actually get paid as a real actor in the credits and not just voice work. Pedro is the lead. Like as funny as this sounds, Pedro's the least important part of the Mandalorian. He does nothing like Pedro point, just voicing. Yeah. Like Pedro's not in the suit. Pedro's not fighting. You don't see his face. You don't see any, like you could replace him easier than anybody else on this well, they, on, they did on it the in, in season three he literally i don't think wore the suit once yeah like the motherfucker sits in an adr booth <laughs> and just like records his voice lines at his own house and then emails them to disney like yeah it, like that's what it, it's, he does it, it's all money it, it, it's money i mean it, it, it th- these aren't the creatives making these choices it's not like john went to Bob and said, Hey, Bob, you know what? I poured my heart and soul into this script for season four. And I don't, I'm just, I feel lazy all of a sudden. But it's also I, like, I, I don't want to shoot it all now. Let's just make a movie. Like, I don't even know if it's all money related too, because here's what they're also looking at. They're looking at eyes on property. And if they're seeing eyes on property go down consecutively, then they're like, well, what do we do? Do we just release it again? Knowing it's going to get viewed less than the last one? Like, 
we need a shake up here. Like we got to do something. It, 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 you could look at it as a dice roll. Like Nick is saying, like, Hey, season three, still doing better than our shows, but a lot of bitching, a lot of people tuning out, not, not nearly watch this season one and two. Let's, let's dangle the carrot of a return to theaters and see if that juices the audience again. So yeah, yeah. You know. It, it's just, I don't know. It's a bummer it's, when you think about it. One point like, in time, we were dreaming about eight seasons of Mandalorian, yeah. multiple seasons of Ahsoka, multiple seasons of Booga Boba. And just like when Disney took over the movies and they had a 10 year plan, Nick, it looks like that has already come crashing down for yeah, the I streaming mean, service. Like, for, for, like, you can say you have a 10 year plan for anything. No, you don't. You have. You have a plan for the movies that you're going to release and then your plan is going to adjust based off of the performance of that. And that's how everything goes. Like you can't have a 10 year plan because your 10 year plan is going to change based off of how audiences respond to your content and what your performance looks like. It's stupid George, to say. George had one with the prequels and he stuck to it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess Remember that, that went those, well. Those fuckers took three. I mean, he, I think they started yeah. shooting in 96. 90 yeah 96 yeah and I mean, it's, uh, it's, the last one came out in 2005 in 05 yeah so like it's a little easier for that because it's like i'm gonna make these things like for george it was like i'm putting these three george. movies out yeah, and was, i don't give a fuck like, right, it was george so do you think that like george do you think george lucas read anything about tpm and made changes for aotc no because aotc <laughs> would have been 10 times better than it was if no. he did george but did like, what george wanted to do if i if i'm being honest if I worked at Disney right now, I'd be saying the same thing. I'd be saying we need to we need to get back in theaters because like if I'm looking at revenue projections for Disney Plus and I'm seeing that eyes on our property are consistently going down for every new season release and that that the the buzz is getting is is decreasing for every yeah, seasonal broke. release, like what am I going to like I'm sitting there and I'm working in Disney's marketing department and I'm working in Disney's production department. And what am I supposed to do? Just be like, just release it like we did the last ones and watch the numbers go down. Like you're right. It's just, we always have to remind people that (laughs) the rest of the world isn't like us. Okay. Yeah. We're we're not here poo pooing on star Wars and, and trying to make you feel bad. We're, we're just reminding you that most people could give two shits about Star Wars and Disney is starting to figure that out and they're trying to course correct based on the casuals versus the hardcores. Yeah, because I mean, hardcore fans, I mean, they're just, you don't you don't make money off of hardcore fans like you, you, you establish a base of hardcore fans and you're like, I got these guys no matter what I what I do. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I just I just saw my fifteen dollars go to Disney today. As like, oh, I guess my year's up or something because there it goes. And I've been paying them since twenty nineteen, and I, I I can't say I use Disney Plus a ton. I, I just watched the Santa Clauses, got through that. Did check out the Lego Holiday Special again last night with the little kid. That that is some great shit, by the way. If mm-hmm. if you haven't watched that in a few years. I think it came out in 2019. It, it is very good. It's when Ray yeah. had travels through the eras. It's it's good shit. But and like, yeah, I mean, it makes the most sense. You know, like if it's you're a lot easier have, to buy a movie ticket than sign up for a streaming service, right? It is. So and a casual could be out like, oh fuck, there's a Star Wars movie in theaters. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, can you imagine like somebody who only watched season one of The Mandalorian, like one of those f- people who fell off the wagon, and it wasn't because of 
you know, like, oh, I hated it. It was just because like, yeah, I watched it. It was good. And like, I'm a casual Star Wars fan. I'm not going to keep up with it. They go to a theater. They see on the marquee, the Mandalorian movie. They're like, oh shit, there's, there's a movie of it now. Like it, right. it draws interest where. Well, like you said, it could convince that customer to maybe go back and resub to catch up. So they're yeah. ready for the movie. But yeah, I mean, like the thing is, is like, you can't, you can't make your content for people like us. You can't like you, like you can make some content for people like us and have it be a part of your content strategy. Um, no, but you you're can't, right. I, I, you can't, can't tailor is, all your content for can't is correct because you know, as well as I do, even people like us have to constantly bitch about what they're given. So yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it really, you know, the, the creators at Disney, they're, they're fucked either way. All right. They, they got to work within the confines of a profitable business and they got to work in one of the most contentious, shittiest fandoms in all yeah. of all of pop culture. So and, and like, I think that what's interesting about where Star Wars is right now is that like it's being run by hardcore fans like you can say whatever you want about Kathleen Kennedy She's a hardcore fan of Star Wars and Lucasfilm. She has been her whole life. That's why she worked there when George was there. That's why she she came up in that company under George. Like you could say whatever you want about like her decision making process or whatever, but like she's a hardcore Lucasfilm Star Wars fan. Yeah, and, and and George handpicked her to yeah. continue. I mean, and that's the other thing. I I I saw a meme going around. I think it was about Star Wars theory. He he does something to his face, makes himself basically look like he's a special person saying, Oh, Disney star Wars. Ooh. And then he makes himself look normal. He goes, Dave Filoni star. And it's like, dude, you, it's the you same. Under, you understand Dave Filoni is Disney star Wars. And yeah. Has always been Disney star. Wars. Exactly. Right? The, the, the motherfucker has been there, but I, that's <laughs> another problem though. Like Dave, Dave is a fantastic creative person. He cannot run your content strategy. He can't do it because he makes shows like Ahsoka that we only we care about. And he only understands things from a perspective of a hardcore Star Wars fan that was a Lucas disciple that was handpicked by George and that is going to tell stories that are deep cut Star Wars shit for people like us. And he like there needs to be a Feige like and there is not one. Kevin Feige came in as a movie executive and was able to understand how to take a property Marvel that was marketed to the nerdiest of nerds and make it the most popular franchise in movie history. Is he and dead by the way? Kevin Feige? I don't know. He's, he hasn't or, been around. Or, or, or did he just make so much money? He's like, you know what? Fuck this MCU shit. I'm done. Cause dude, I mean, what, like, what, what, I mean, really MC phase four, five and what are we in six yet? Who the fuck knows? That's the, that's my point. It's, it's a disaster. It is star Wars now. Yeah. Like post phase four, <laughs> like post end game. It's, it, it's been dog shit. And like, oh, well. they you need, are right. They need a course correct. But like, well, I think that, I think that's what they're, they're doing. 13 years after the fact, they're trying to turn Dave into that in addition to all the other roles they're giving him. So yeah, it's not, it's like, not technically I, his main job. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that like, if you're trying to make Dave, your Kevin Feige, like that's the wrong move because you need somebody who understands the connection point between the super geeky star Wars shit that, that Dave writes with 
Ahsoka and the world between worlds and rebels and, and, you know, all the cartoon shit. That's just like so deep cut nerdy crap that like we all really like, but like, if you put that in front of the general viewer, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Like you need, you need a connection point between those two parts of it. And I don't think that they have that yet. They don't have an understanding of like, how do, how do we take this, this really head, like, what can be heady Star Wars content and make it digestible for everybody in, in, in a way that like we're going to see people that haven't engaged with the property before come to it. Like how, how do we do that? And I don't think that they have that person yeah. in the room yet. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to stay the, the psycho fanboy that I am. I love it. All right. I think it's time. For Star Wars, no, it's always time for Star Wars time. It's time to move into this week's special topic. This is a fun one here. As I said earlier, if you're, if you're just tuning in, we had were asked last week to recount some of our top scenes from all of Star Wars. So, of course, we took that to heart. We listened to our fans like idiots, and we started to chart this out. And, and as I started to write down top scenes, and I'm going, uh-oh, I'm... I'm possibly going overboard here although in my head these sound like good scenes so it ended up turning into it's going to be a multi-part special topic so part one today episode 289 we're going to go through the top scenes of the prequels kenobi and solo i just i know they're technically in different eras but they felt like they fit together so we're going to go through there's 23 of them and at the end you will you will see my top five out of these 23 as well as young Nick's and and I will I was the one that came up with the 23 so I'm sure Nick is is sharpening or not sharpening he's gassing up his flamethrower getting ready to tear them apart all right so we're, we're gonna do this up until uh fan segment hopefully everyone is tuned in ready to roll here we go SWTS's top prequel scenes there's really no ranking at this point in time mm-hmm. so don't get upset prequel bros and gals, I know you all are very protective of your trilogy. It's okay. We're just going in chronological order for now. You'll get the rank at the end. So, Nick, to kick things off, clearly we got to start with The Phantom Menace, the best prequel movie. Sir Dork will validate mm-hmm. that opinion, but it really is if you honestly think about it. But, Nick, I am starting with Jedi negotiations. The reason this scene stands out to me because it's it's really the first time you see traditional Jedi in their tunics, a Padawan and Master setup. We 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 never saw any of this shit before, and, and the dynamic between Qui Gon and Obi, the action, the Jedi abilities we got to see. It's just a moment from that film that I'm always gonna remember. Therefore, it is a top scene for myself. Jedi negotiation. Yeah, it's a. Uh- it's a good scene to like establish. I think what it did a really good job of in, in one short scene is like establishing the difference between what you saw in the OT and what you're seeing, like what, it, what you will see yeah, in the prequels. Yeah. Um, like, like these are Jedi. Luke was fake Jedi. These are Jedi. Yeah. So like, and then understanding like, Oh, droidicas, like these are a problem. Like, and then you see a force ability that's never, ever used again. Right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that is my favorite the, the jedi speak. yeah it's like oh run away 
It's like, you know how useful that would have been uh, for every Jedi during Order 66? Like any yeah. any one of Someone. them. Like <laughs> any one of them. Just be like, oh yeah, I forgot I can run real fast. And they can't. Yeah, see? <laughs> like, George was doing it too. Like, People were getting pissy about force uh, healing and, and f- clone f- force beings. Look, look, George was doing it too. He just makes yeah, shit Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, they can run real fast uh, and they can jump real high too. But they can only do yeah. it when nobody is threatening them <laughs> or something. I have no idea what the logic behind it is. But it, it, no, like, it really was. It's like, okay, we, we just took out all the droid because now more are coming. Let's, 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 you know, feet don't fail me now. <laughs> it's like, okay, well. they out of here. <laughs> anyway, like it just, it, it stands out to me. Lightsabers, Jedi, Roger, Roger, yeah. even as goofy as it is. It, it just, it's something that, that rolls. All right. Up next with Phantom Menace. How can you not talk about the the Boonta Eve pod race? Now, if you really want a specific scene from this moment, Nick, it, it's got to be the end where the, you know, the music ramps up. Mm-hmm. It looks like little Anakin could possibly lose because that dickhead Sabalba sabotaged his pod. But because we know he's a Skywalker, he gets the shit done, reconnects his engine, overtakes him at the end, sending Sabalba careening into the desert mm-hmm. sand, yelling poo doo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the the Boonta E, but if we're if we're going just strictly scenes, it's it's Anakin's win on that last lap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree. The Boonta Eve is definitely in uh, my top scenes from from the prequels, and it does like it was something like it was something again that we've never seen before, and like it ge- it gave us a deeper understanding of like Tatooine, and like you know we looked at Tatooine and A New Hope, and we're like, what? It's a bunch of people standing around in the desert form farming moisture like like what yeah, the- i mean han han said so himself he's like who the fuck would ever want to live yeah. here and luke's like well i i, I kind of did yeah it's like i mean i, I lived <laughs> here my whole life um but yeah. it does it like gives you a, a different perspective on this whole planet and like oh there's there's things like this there's entertainment this is why the huts are involved on tatooine like shit like this gambling and all the things that come from it so yeah i, I definitely agree boon to eve it's just like even kind of getting deeper into just the production of the scene. I, I think it contains some of the greatest star Wars sounds Ben Burt ever oh, d- created. Yeah, absolutely. When every, every pod had a, a unique voice, if you will, like every engine was very specific. I can, I hear Sebalba's pod right now. I can hear Anakin's pod, Ben Quadraneros. Yeah, exactly. Even, even Nick, it's stuck in his head. The the two announcers, Jabba spitting the frog, you know, to start on the gong. It, it really is a, a classic Star Wars scene, whether you love TPM or not. Yeah, so Nick, Nick and I definitely saw eye It's to a eye very here. textural scene for lack of a oh, better. It's, it's like, great. there's some, all the, all the, pr- yeah. Like you were Sorry. saying, like all the sounds, all the, like like just the way that things looked like the design it's of all the practical pod like all, yeah all, pod all those en- all the pods are practical the engines are real you you actually had skeleton c-3po being walked out there as a puppet it just it to me it, it embodies george lucas star yeah, wars yeah so very, really yeah, good boon to eve 100 percent in a top moment all right we any more to oh yeah we got another phantom menace top moment and and nick if you're looking at this graphic going this motherfucker's cheating you're mm-hmm. correct but i am going to try to lump these together if you do want me to pick the scene i would say darth maul's arrival on tatooine all right seeing he seeing a ship coming in you're getting that silhouette it kind of looks like a tie fighter from behind you got that yeah cha cha yeah 
like the chanting going on. He comes out. It's dark. He, he unleashes the spy droids. They're making their little sounds. It, it was just very awesome. So much so that we all, when we watched Ahsoka and saw Shin Hati essentially recreating it, we we're all like, that's awesome because that's a nod to that mall scene. So so to me, Nick, it, it would it would be Maul's arrival on Tatooine, although that could extend to his first duel with Qui-Gon. So you, you could pick either or. Yeah, I think that really like just seeing this character on the screen for the first time was such a a big moment, you know. It, oh yeah, because he was just a hologram the first time we saw him with Sidious, right? This is the first time we physically. Yeah, he's see like him. Darth Maul, and he like walks in and with his arms crossed and all that shit when they're talking to the Nemordians first. Yeah, but like his first like physical appearance that you see like the tattoos, you see the Zabrak, you know, like the first time you see Zabrak on screen, the first time that you see a a Sith apprentice on scene. Really, I mean, like. You can say that, I mean, like Vader was, you know, a, an apprentice too, but like, it was just such a different feeling when you saw Maul, like, it was like, oh, wow, this is like such a different character archetype than we've seen before. So it was, it was pretty impactful first time you see him. Well, I mean, when, when, I mean, he almost lops Anakin's head off to start, yeah. right? He's coming on his, his, his scooter and then you, you just see the, the, how, how much anger he has in him as he starts striking Qui-Gon. And up until this point, we're like, hey, Qui-Gon's a fucking master. He's the dude. Maul shows up, and within two seconds, he has Qui-Gon winded. Yeah, like on the road. Getting ready to, to, to get the hell out of there. So that's why I, I included both images. To me, it's, it's kind of a comprehensive scene. But if we were picking specific scenes, I think his arrival is a bit more memorable than the quick little duel he has with, with Qui-Gon. Yeah. All right. I think I got another TPM here. You better have at least one one, more. (laughs) Yeah, this is one I know Nick had, but of course, Duel of the Fates. And like, Nick, this one, I'll be interested what you say, but I, I, yes, the the duel itself is awesome. If we're picking specific scenes, I think there are two that stand out from the Duel of Fates, and I'll see which one you, you gravitate towards. But Duel of Fates, obviously, great moment. The scenes that stand out to me from this that we could potentially discuss would be literally the door opening and the music starting, right? Dropping the robe, just being a pimp, lighting the dull blade, <laughs> all the other Naboo soldiers going, okay, yeah, you, you we're good. Mm. Qui-Gon's like, hey, we'll handle this. That That is a Star Wars moment no one will ever forget. I think the other scene from this is is the climax so the death of qui-gon the rage of obi-wan and then the ultimate pretend defeat of maul so while we have identified duel of fates as a top scene do you gravitate to a specific section oh yeah it's the obi part of it like it's it's the obi versus maul i mean it's like you like you said like the the initial kind of you know door open hood back ignite the dual saber is such an iconic moment from like that will be captured in like cinema history dun, dun, but dun, dun. the the straight up obi versus dun, maul dun. is is one of the best like that's one of the best lightsaber fights in the entire saga possibly the the best yeah. i know that's gonna piss a lot of people off but if you Nick is right. Like I'm, I'm. It's going through my head right now. And when when Obi went, you can tell it's the first time he's fighting with a little bit of dark yeah. side. And when you know, it's the move where he's like, 
tap, 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 tap. I mean, they're just like, wow, 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 wow. Like the speed that they're going, deflecting each other. And you're like, holy shit, Obi-Wan, you, you, you got a little, you, you know, a little uh, vinegar in your piss. Yeah. Or piss in your vinegar, however you yeah. say that. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It would be the, the death and what it does to Obi-Wan and how he processes yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that like when it comes down to the fights, like, it's it's an amazing scene from start to finish. Like it's an amazing battle from start to finish. The stuff where they're like walking through the reactor, it feels very choreographed. Like you can watch that and be like, yeah, like they're clearly this is the you know this choreographed fight scene for a movie. It looks cool, but like that the moment where it's Maul versus Obi feels so visceral. Like you were saying, like there were there's a sequence in there where it's like, oh shit, like this is. This doesn't feel like it felt when it was the three of them. Tap, 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 it tap, was tap, like, tap, flip, tap, 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 the, flip. The, the thing to me that did it was, it was like Maul goes to, for like a back front strike and Obi blocks both of them and then parries up and then like kicks him in the face to push him back. And I'm like, and that all happened in like a second. It was very, very yeah. fast. And I was like, this is what makes this part of the fight better than the rest of it. It's like, it feels like... It doesn't feel as choreographed as the rest of it, and it feels more visceral. It feels more like there's stakes to this fight, where it's like the beginning of it felt like, oh, yeah, they're fighting, and it's like a cool little dance they're doing and stuff like that. But this feels like there's something behind it. Yeah, I'm with you. When, when, when I put this on my list, this the specific moment is Obi's rage, yeah. 100%. Yeah, definitely. All right, so clearly that that's going to take us out of... TPM. I, I considered putting the parade in there because it just felt very Star Warsy, throne room callback. You know the, the the parallels between the first movies of the trilogy, but I opted not to. So moving into AOTC, and I'm pretty sure I'll be the yes. only one talking here. So th- this this will be interesting to see Nick's reactions. I'm I'm, I'm going to try my best to convince him that these are worthy of the list. And I'm starting with the Obi-Wan Jango Fett Camino duel. Reasons being, it, it's actually a pretty well done duel, but it's really the first time we get to see a, a Mandalorian combat a Jedi and, and pretty much hold his own. Uh, I, I just, I just, I dig the fight. I dig the behind the scenes and remembering Tamara, you know, singing in the rain with his umbrella. So there's some of that in, in, uh, baked into there. But I, I, I do find this to be a good duel between a Jedi and a non-Force user. Uh, I guess. Like, I, I'm not going to... I'm truly not going to have anything to contribute positively to right. AOTC. I just think that, okay. like, the, the fight scene itself is just so messy and all over the place. And it's just, like, there's no structure to it. Shit's just flying everywhere. People start... F- sliding off of crap and like like to me it was just like if you're gonna have a showdown between these two characters just like it didn't feel meaningful like it felt like it was just such a blip on this movie's radar and then there were not there was nothing that came from it like the next scene that you have on here too like I know that there's like a bunch of cool sounds in it but that's about it for me um but yeah I just like I saw like I watched this and I'm like dude like he uses the force to open a door and then he doesn't use the force at all against the one person that he's going to fight <laughs> in this, in the rest of this movie series that has no force abilities. Like, but Nick, fuck? his Beskar armor, his Beskar armor was blocking the force. The force. Yeah. It's blocking the force. So it was like, to me, when I saw this, I was just like, Oh, this is just 
Oh, like, I, okay. Fair enough. I, I, I dig it. I guess I, I would think a fight between a four shoes or non four shoes or would look a little more chaotic, but yeah, the, the force on the elevator and nothing yeah, else. It's like, Oh, you, so you can you, open the door with it, but the guy who's you, shooting uh, missiles at you from his right. wrist, you can't use the force there. Okay. <laughs> you got me but i i mean honestly we can make that argument yeah, about how how george has created jedi mandos then because why was there ever even a war when one side had the force and the other exactly. did it so like there's okay so i we can't get too upset because the creator made it stupid to begin with <laughs> <laughs> and nick yeah nick t's the other one but the, but the uh, the old uh, seismic charge here 100% i and it is it is for the sound uh, you know, it's kind of neat, neat looking dogfight through the asteroid field there, but it, it's purely for the sound. Yeah, every Star Wars fan responds to it just like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. But like what is. kills that scene is the kid talking the whole time. Like, yeah, he's terrible. It's just like, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And like, look, he's a kid, kid actor, like, it is what it is. George is an awful director when giving direction to actors, but like, God, that fucks up that scene. So if, if that scene was quiet and was only the sounds of the blasters and the explosions, totally. But he fucks that scene up so bad. I I can't, I can't argue with the man. So (laughs) I do think it's a top scene, but again, he has very valid points on it. If you can't tell Nick, despises AOT is trash it's it's so it's bad. become one of my it's one of my favorite things to watch one time a year because it is it's like b movie it is <laughs> i think i like it for that <laughs> all right next one here i'm sure nick still hates it you've heard me talk about a million times when i justify my rage against anakin and rots but anakin's tuscan hate the breakdown to padme that's the the best acting the best acted and scripted scene in the entire prequels. All right. So it gets an honorable mention at, at minimum. You actually see the, the dialogues, not too bad. <laughs> you, 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 I actually feel Anakin's hate and anger and, 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 and disgust in himself. So it's to me in live action Star Wars, the prequels, it's the only time I was like, oh, yeah, this guy could become Darth Vader. So, yes, it is a it's a top scene from the prequel. I guess what it comes down to me for AOTC is if it's like any scene where people are talking, it's just terrible. And like really what like what the moment was if there was going to be one moment in AOTC, it's the moment where he's not talking and he's actually in the camp for 15 seconds and you see him like cutting people down like that whole like ride out to the camp kill everybody ride back to the camp with my mom's body like that is the scene that's what it would be for me this the line reads are awful the writing is awful like i get that it's like i'm dark but he's like i'm dark and i'm crying and i'm so sad about it and it's like oh my god dude just like get a nutsack and like like I just, it's, it's so like me watching that scene is so, it's so painful because it's like you become one of the most feared characters in a galaxy and you're in a hovel on Tatooine crying because your mom, like, like I, it's just like, it's such a bitchy scene and like, 
I just, I can't stand it. Like, I, if they, they could have done so many things to, to portray a dark turn for a character and they choose to have him crying and throwing things in a garage. That was the choice. And like, it's just, and that was the choice for that whole film. Like that whole film was essentially those choices made. <laughs> like, like literally crying in a garage. I'm going to take this, whatever it is, and I'm going to throw it across the room. And then I'm going to yell while crying. And it's like, oh, that was a choice that you made. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know. They are the prequels, but I'm the one. I'm the one that told that I'm just an old idiot that yells at clouds. So I'm I'm glad you're getting oh, some man. some tape out there finally. It's so bad of uh of blowing this stuff up. There's someone at my front door going nuts. Oh wow! No one else is home. Uh, I, I I'm I'm trying to get my my neighbor to look into it here. Uh, if you need to, yeah, if you need to go, uh, check no, it out. I, I don't know who, who they are. I don't care. So see ya. They're leaving. <laughs> Hold on. Um, we go, I'll move it into the next scene while I text this out to the boss there. Um, so Nick, this would be the Geonosian arena battle. Go ahead and say why it's stupid. And then I'll come and tell you why I kind of like yeah, it. Yeah. I mean this one, if it like, if there was a scene that I was considering to add from AOTC, it was probably going to be the scene in Geonosis because there is some cool stuff that happens there. I think the fights between, um, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Padme, and then the, the animals isn't terrible. Like you get some wonky CG, but that's just this whole, this whole movie is just wonky CG. Um, the thing that really fucks this up, like fucks this scene up for me is when they do the individual close-ups of the Jedi, once the, you know, the Jedi kind of descend on the arena, like those, like those snippets just looked so bad. But everything else is like it's fine. Like they're they're defending themselves from an onslaught of troopers, and you know, like everybody's spinning their lightsaber, and it's a very, it's a very dynamic, like pretty light scene. And you know, the the moment where you know Mace runs in and and chops off Boba F or Jango Fett's head is is pretty well executed. And I think that for for Mace's lightsaber style, the way that he did it, just kind of like running headlong at him, and then deflecting the, 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 the bolts worked out pretty well. Um, so if there is, if there is one scene in this movie, the Geonosian arena scene would be the one that I would pick as a top moment. Yeah. I th you hit most of why I put it here. It's just, it's the visual spectacle. It's, it's the idea of all these Jedi in one place we've never seen before. Uh, another moment that stands out, I'm with you on, you know, the execution of Django, but really when, when Yoda kind of circles and brings the clones, that, that, you know, that, that's a standout moment. It, it, but, but like you said, it's, it's mostly just a visual spectacle of random people against blue screens waving around flashy yeah, swords. It's like, so. I, and I feel like they, they could have <laughs> left that out. Like, <laughs> like he didn't need to add in those like, like he didn't need to add in those scenes, those close-ups. Like it just didn't, it didn't seem to add anything to it, but like, I guess he wanted to, like he wanted to give everybody their screen time and like, look, the, the, everybody's fighting individually. Like that's fine. But like, you could tell that it wasn't filmed at the same time. You could tell, like you said, that it yeah. was like, 
it's literally like, hey, focus on these two random assholes, and they'll they'll go like, wow, they'll make one move. Yeah. It's like you, you guys look like you're practicing in you your know, basement like in, in front of a green screen. Like when when Mace shows up and like he's he walks up to to Dooku and you know and the, then he jumps off of the platform and stuff. Like I thought that that was a pretty cool little intro there. Like okay, like you know he's he's walking right up to him like why didn't he chop his head off in that moment i have no idea but you know what he 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 was like making a statement and then the the battle kind of kicks off from there so it's it's not it's it's definitely one of the 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 best scenes from that movie for sure hey look at that i i was expecting you to light that one on fire uh, I, i'm with who who down here said the padme's midriff yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. a that's definitely That's a, a top yeah. moment. Good one there. Good one there, Bat. You're you're a dirty old man like myself. I like it. All right. Hey, you, you might think we're moving on. We're not. We're we're sticking with Attack of the Clones. <laughs> as silly as it is, you can't tell me it didn't stand out the first time you saw it. But Yoda's first battle with Dooku. Yeah. I mean, this is this the movie was hyped around this. Remember, we, we were talking to Galar. He's like, yeah, th- this wasn't supposed to happen. By the way, this literally happened day of shoot. Day of scene, George's like, oh yeah, fuck it, we'll we'll have the puppet. <laughs> you don't want the Yoda fight, but you know, it, hey, visually, it's a spectacle. It um, while it looks ridiculous <laughs> because he's essentially a geriatric that's almost dead and can hardly walk, but that's the beauty of the Force, I guess. When you need to to tap into it, it can make you do amazing things. But the uh, I, I I did have to put as a as a top scene Yoka's Yoka's Yoka. or Yoda's Yoda's first duel with the Dukester. I mean, like cinematically too. Like this was a pretty big moment, right? Like in terms of like the history of yeah. cinema. I mean, this is the first. I think this is one of the first times ever that you have like this dynamic of a scene between a fully CG character and somebody who is like an actual human, like standing on a you know on a set. There you go, Nick. That's why. I so like. I, I mean, movie history. Yeah, making. it's like that. That may not be like fully true, but it's one of the one of the first scenes where it's like, okay, like there is a lot of dynamic action happening between a real actor and, and a fully CG character. Um, I mean, like obviously you can go back and who framed Roger Rabbit, and like you could bring that up, but or like last action hero shit like that. But I think that this is a different level than those two. Did films. anyone else? Now that you put that thought into my head, did anyone else used to um, potentially pleasure themselves to Jessica Rabbit? I mean, I think that uh, of a person of a certain age, I think we may have all been there. (laughs) I think so. Okay, good. Um, I don't I don't feel so weird. Thank you. But like when I was a kid, like when I first saw this, like me and my friends came out of the theater. We were like, oh, my God, did you see that? I got got interviewed by the local news. I'm like, yeah, they're like, what's your favorite? Yoda's lightsaber, bro. Did you see him flipping around? It was not so like yeah like this was like look like watching it now with the advancements of CGI and like understanding uh, like how this scene was made it's definitely a little different than your first initial reaction when you see it in the theaters and stuff um but in the in the theaters I was like oh shit Yoda's crazy he's nuts look oh, at yeah. him there we yeah. go all right so hey it I I think it validates this one may may trip you up, but we, we actually just talked about this as as we were discussing this man and how he's essentially everything for the galaxy. He he's more important than the Jedi, the the rebels themselves, as as he is one of their um, people that that kind of brought that movement to fruition. 
but I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's the music because it's like the dun dun. You, you start to get those motifs coming in. You see all the clones flying out. But I, I really do appreciate the moment right there at the end as, as Bale is up there with the chancellor and some of the other senators seeing the war machine that he did not want to be creative take off and him just kind of look down and, and punch the ledge in defeat like, fuck, I know where this is going to take us. And Nick, you could argue that might be the best acting in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, just, the, just that one little fist <laughs> I mean, Jimmy kills it like yeah. no, no dialogue needed. Just his his physical emotes were were spot on. But I, I don't know. I, I like the moment because it, it is the be it's the true beginning of the the Clone Wars, something that we were teased from old man Obi-Wan way yeah. back. in a new I mean, it's home. the beginning of the end. Like it's the beginning of the end of the galaxy as we know it up to this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Bale knows it and no one else. Yeah. Does. So. Uh, it is definitely like a pivotal moment in terms of like like the history of the galaxy and Star Wars, like when the clone army is is brought full force into the picture is a moment that like changes the trajectory of the Star Wars galaxy and its history forever, you know? And um, just in terms of like, historical moments in star wars this is definitely one that you would mark down for sure yeah it's it's because the scene that precedes this right it's, it's yoda finally admitting that oh yeah we fucked up like nick said we're our vision's way more clouded than we thought and then begun the clone wars <laughs> and then you get you get bail here going oh fuck yeah. All yeah. right. Guess what? It's time to move into everyone's darling of the prequels, except for mine. Mm-hmm. But it's Rot's time. All right. It's, it's kick things off. This is a no brainer. One of the, yeah, I guess one of the best openings in Star Wars has to go to Revenge of the Sith. The drums. I mean, it's so iconic. The, the, the sounds of the Jedi Starfighters, Anakin's ETA 2 coming in the, the the back and forth between friends now you gotta remember they're they're no longer master apprentice anakin is a fully fledged jedi knight obi's a master it, it's just it, it's great it, it, and it's awesome until they land on grievous's ship and then it just turns into <laughs> revenge of the Wait, Sith. Kind of a, 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 a slap dicky movie that should have been very we're serious jedi we're no better than this oh my <laughs> goodness like but Nick, it's, it's it's the best Star Wars movie ever made. It's it's golden it's, according to some some listeners, some beyond the dune seers. I mean, I, I'm the idiot. Like, I'm the idiot. And and like here's here's the thing. And this is like this is how I treat the prequels and the sequels cuz you have to treat them that way. You can't you can't take them whole cloth as the movies themselves and then as as a hey, three just, movie you, arc. You, it's 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 choose. the pieces of it. Exactly. It's it's like, man, <laughs> Duel of Fates was awesome. You know what wasn't uh, awesome? Walking through the Tatooine market and talking about angels for 20 minutes. That sucked. Like, you know what was really cool? This scene in Rots. You know what wasn't really cool in Rots? Like, fucking hanging out on 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 uh, Naboo for a while. Like, I like that wasn't great. Like, but this this did make my top five for the uh, prequel moments. Prequel and solo moments this was top five. I, spoiler, spoiler. spoiler alert but i do what really did it for this scene in particular is that you can see a clear um 
increase in visual fidelity in the CG from what we last saw in AOTC to the very opening moments of this movie. You're like, oh, like we've stepped up. Like, you know, like what we saw in in TPM and AOTC is one thing. And then what we're seeing now in ROTS is a different thing. It's a different level. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. It's like I said, I, I just wish this scene ended when they land it picked up again when they fought dooku and then they just land crash on course yeah. we, we didn't need a lot of like jerking off with droids it's, and elevators it's like, are you and, sure and you didn't like the 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 r2d2 oil spill set them on fire oil, fly yeah, the, the oil <laughs> slick or, or when when he comes like out of out of frame Ooh. and bounces off the wall after we're jedi we're smarter than this line one of the one of the best written lines it's in all star top Wars. notch <laughs> I still, I, f- I still feel like it's been removed from at least the digital it version may, on like, Disney+. I Plus. remember you saying that when it, when you were like, I watched it again and it was gone. And like, I vividly yeah, remember I, that. Like, the ray shields come so, down. So does everyone else. Like, yeah, everyone else. And, and I honestly think that they too eventually realize, like, hey, if we're, if we're going to add in shit like McClunky. We can take out and, some and other stuff, dumb shit. Yeah, let's, let's remove one of the corniest fucking lines ever delivered by Ewan McGregor in his entire career. Let's just let's just get it gone. I mean, maybe you and paid to have that shit because yeah, it, like, it was it's so terrible. I mean, he's like, huh, huh, how could this happen? Well, Jedi, it, it's almost like they filmed that line from AOTC and just put it in rots because really after that, like after that line, Ewan's on fire. Like Ewan, yeah, it gets a lot, gets like, a lot better. <laughs> that's the one thing that I will say for this, like for to defend this movie is like. Ewan is Ewan bats nine ninety nine and only nine ninety nine because of that this one line we're talking about. Like he kills it the rest of this movie. Like he really actually there's another one in there that I really think is fucking terrible. But like we'll we may get to it later. Yeah, maybe maybe I picked it as a top scene. <laughs> but like there, there's another line read where it's like every time I hear it, I'm like, oh god, why? Um, but like. That line, the, like the, the we're Jedi, we're smarter than is so bad. But like, you're right. What should have happened in this scene is like, we have everything that we have in the ships. We land in the hangar and then we just see a scene of them running into the throne room, like, or running yeah. into the, yeah. where, where Palpatine is <laughs> like fight Dooku, get, get trapped by Grievous. Okay. He flies out the window. Just yeah, like cut, show you crash. Cut out and, all like, this middle enough. bullshit. Like cut out everything. Bro, in the th- th- this op- this scene we're talking about, I believe, is fifty five minutes long. Jesus fuck, really? Like the the the, the rescue of Palpatine is at least forty five, if not closer to fifty. God, that's why this. I, pr- I promise you. That's why I'm, I'm trying to tell people. Like the movie is a rescue. Me, and there's Darth Vader. That that's that's the flow of rocks. Yeah. Whether you all want to believe it or not, that's how it I've works. Always, like, I've always said with this movie, as soon as Obi gets on Utapau, everything flows very fast from there. Like the the like the sequence of events that happens after Obi hits Utapau, like it moves very quick. And it's probably because they take forty five minutes of the movie in the opening sequence. <laughs> like uh, which yep. is fucking crazy. I, I promise everyone, go go look. I guarantee you the from the time the ships come in, which Nick and I love. I know it sounds like this isn't a top scene. It is at least until they crash land on Grievous's ship. It, I believe it's at least forty five minutes 
from that to crashing and, and seeing, you know, Padme. And yeah. All that. Another happy landing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here we go. Sticking with rots, obviously. I, I I put Anakin beating Dooku. It, it it it's a good looking scene. You can see the growth on Anakin's part. I mean, obviously, in Attack of the Clones, their duel, Dooku just treats him like a like a dog. I mean, it's not even close in terms of of a of a skill match here. A few years later, you can see that that Anakin has learned a little bit. But really, Nick, I I guess the best part of this scene, and it's one of the few times in rots you get to see Anakin start to question what he's being told and how he feels. Uh, Cause he, he did not want to, he did not want to execute Dooku. Yeah. I mean, he had him beat dead to rights, just like a Jedi should. And it wasn't until homeboy literally in a weird way. He, again, the directing here, <laughs> do, it, do it, do it, do it. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> I like George, you have E McDiarmid. Like, did, what did you say to him to make him do yeah, that? Yeah. It's like, like you because that's not even that's not even Palpatine like like Palpatine didn't act like no. that in the original trilogy no. do it like yeah I love this no Palpatine was cool calm collected in a boss that, like when they cut to him and he literally just goes like yeah do yeah. it yeah yeah I, it's I, like <laughs> what why ah! why why and people people tell me this is the best star yeah. wars movie i, like, I guess <laughs> hey everyone everyone's entitled to their own opinion but really analyze this shit that we're not making this stuff up it happens it happens so bad yeah but it, it is a it's a scene it's a scene okay it's a scene but i think important scene I to, to like justify your choice here we talked we actually talked about this scene either last week or a week before last, like this scene shows you that at the beginning of this movie, Anakin knows right from wrong. Like Anakin is in line with the Jedi way. Like he's like, yep, I got him. I should not kill this guy. Like he's, he's dead to rights. Like you said, like he is, he recognizes that this is the Jedi way. Like I, what I am doing right now is correct. And then it's Palpatine that, pushes him it's palpatine that's like no too dangerous blah 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 that that stuff and then he he kills him but like you get a you get a sense of what anakin's moral compass is at this moment and at this moment his moral compass is firmly like this is not what a jedi would do and it was and like maybe it shouldn't have been like maybe it should have been like more darkness like we're we're this close to his fall like here's what I've know. been told. I, I've I've had people try to educate me, and by people I mean Connor from Beyond the Dune Sea. So apparently, Nick, what I missed, this scene was foreshadowing Anakin's arrival in Palpatine's oh, like that, office. That's so obvious, but the thing to, is, to, no, 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 to to establish that Anakin does know right from wrong. Cause you remember when he gets there, even the mace, he's like, We can't kill him. It's not the Jedi way. So apparently that's why we couldn't see Anakin get a little dark oh, here. Oh. It was to it was to keep him and us thinking that, oh, he's figured out his shit. He's he's good. But for some reason, when a guy is literally electrocuting his own self and and, and who Anakin knows is a bad guy, yeah. was go there to arrest him, the one that went and told Mace to go arrest him. Then all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Who cares?" Here's what I'll say to Connor: Just because it's a mirrored scene doesn't mean it's a good scene. 
And I'm saying that for both of them, like just because this scene mirrors the scene that we see in the, in the throne or in the, you know, in Palpatine's office, like, yeah, they marry each other. Like they're, they're made to marry each other. And I think it's easily recognizable that those scenes mirror each other. Doesn't mean it's good. (laughs) Like it's not good because it mirrors each other. I understand his, his point. Like I understand his storytelling point. It was established like, yeah, Anakin does know right from wrong. Because he does. Hey, you can't kill him, even though he's the fucking Sith Lord. My point is, in the Dooku scene, you could see the stress that he was under being forced to make these choices. In the Palpatine scene, he walks in, he's like, hey, you can't do this. Ah, fuck it. Nah, fuck you. I'm going to bend the knee. That that is not earned. Yeah, and like this right here, like you want to see, like... You want to see the stress. You want to see the struggle. You want it because like it would make, and this is what the large majority of your um, your complaints are about this movie, but like in this scene where he's got Dooku beat dead to rights, like he should be like, man, I should just cut this motherfucker's head off. I should. I should do this. Like you should see the darkness creeping in. You should see the the indecision. You should see the hesitation of not, of, of like, you know, like I know what I should do, but I know that if I do, if I kill him, then he's gone. And it's better if he's gone. Like you want to see the darkness creeping in. And I feel like that's your, like the majority of your argument against this movie is like the darkness doesn't creep in. Like the, like the darkness needs to build and needs to compound. And like, like people point to that dream scene, but that dream scene is like, Thank it's like the, the the dream scene isn't showing him leaning towards the darkness. The the dream scene is him saying like, "Oh, like you could die, like you could die." But there's there's well, no well, Nick, darkness it's, in it's there. It's the fear. Remember, fear is the dark side. It's it's just, you you know what yeah, I'm saying. Well, you you I get know. me. <laughs> it's like it, listen, I, everyone can love this movie. It's fine. And if you think Anakin's turn is justified, it's fine. Just just don't attack me, okay? Just don't attack me. Cause I'm right and you're wrong and you'll figure it out at some point in time. It, it, Nick nailed it. I, I don't need to, to go over it. Just, it just, it never mm-hmm. felt justified to me. It never will. Like y- you all are telling me, well, what about the dream? What about the opera? It's like, yeah. yeah. I mean the, the whole time Anakin's like looking at the guy like you're, you fucking weird. You know what, like, you know what Anakin's turn should have looked like? It should have looked like what happened to Frodo and Lord of the Rings. Like, yes. From- when like the dark side is pulling at him so much because of these outside influences that he just breaks down exactly like from the mo- like we see first time we meet frodo he's this happy little kid jotting around in the in the shire and you know the wizard is here to to see him and fireworks and everything and then he gets the ring and then you see the slow degradation of yes. frodo as a person not not frodo's physical well-being but his the slow degradation of him as a person to the moment where they're at the the, the ledge in Mount Doom, and he's, yeah, he's st- snapping at his best friend. He kicks his best friend out, and then, and and then it would, like throw it in the fire, and then uh, all he says is no, and he puts the ring on, and that's Thank the uh, Frodo falls. But you saw it through three movies. 
You see Thank the you. degradation of the character. You see the madness seeping in. You see the influence that the darkness has on him. Like you said, he kicks, uh, when they're taking the path through Menace Morgul, he kicks Sam off the mountain. Get out of here. Like, you're gone. My, I am fully now a part of this darkness, and it's me and me alone. And, like, you just didn't get that. Like, like... That is no, that it. is the way to that, show the degradation and fall to darkness of a character. Thank you. That's what I've been saying, even though I mostly just yell and scream. So thank you, young Nick. That is a very intelligent allegory. I think that's... That Comparison, whatever it is. That's how I would have yeah. wanted to see it with Anakin. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I appreciate your support. But that yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I just don't buy the... It was a dream and a in a shallow, a hollow promise from a chancellor. That's all it took. No, yeah, not not when not when he knew right from wrong. Get out of here. All right, sticking with rots because we love it. Hello there. <laughs> yeah, I mean for its its memeability, it's become Obi Wan Kenobi's personality at this point in time literally hello there is a thing for him. He's done it in every trilogy and every every property he's been in. Uh, but but visually, it was kind of neat to see this Jedi Master spring, I guess, a trap on on Grievous's forces by himself. Yeah. I mean, literally, if you think about it, Obi-Wan jumps into a hangar filled with battle droids and Grievous. And he's like, all right, let's roll. Hello. Dude, there. What, I, what I loved about this scene is it reminded it reminded me so much of um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like the, the, yeah, the Raiders get, getting he turns around and sees all the villagers getting ready to chase him down shit like that. Well, no, not that one. It's the scene where the guy, so like this is when the Magna guard start to walk towards Obi and they got their weapons brandished. And then he just, he like brandishes his saber and then he's like, boop. And the thing falls right on him and crushes him. It's the, it's the exact scene in in Raiders where the guy's sword and the gun. Yeah. He's like swinging the sword and all this shit. (laughs) And then fucking Indy pulls out a gun and just shoots him and walks like, whatever, man. Yeah. He's (laughs) like, like, sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Cause like, yeah, right after the hello there, Magna guard comes out and he just fucking drops the thing on him, walks forward. There's a lot of memorable Kenobi Kenobi moments from the scene. Why it's a top. I mean, he does, you know, his peace sign stance, right? the, The, the old point and piece mm-hmm. you get, you get the, the, the 212th comes in like paratroops in. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's just, it's a great looking visual scene. As Nick said, this is when the movie starts to finally hit its stride. Yeah. It, it is, it is on Utapau and, you know, outside of the actual fall and kneel, I, 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 I agree this, this, these, this, the, the, the last half of rots is somewhat visually entertaining and decent. You're just never going to convince me of the turn. Okay, uh, another one here, and just purely for the visuals, the sound, the knowing that the hero is going to raise his temple. But I have Lord Vader and the 501 marching on the temple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like purely just that top, like this scene, and then into the top-down scene where you see the full company come oh, in. Yeah. Like very powerful scene. And it really like, you don't even need to show like, and for a large part, they didn't, they just showed him walking yeah, they, into the youngling. They don't show shit. You know, like, yeah, you know what's happening. Like you see this and then you're like, oh shit. Like 
it's happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely a powerful scene and I think is, is one of the best in the, in the film for sure. Yeah, it's just, I mean, this is, this is the Lord Vader that Palpatine wanted. This is the character and obviously he gets maimed and damaged by his buddy a few hours later, but you know, this is a scene we heard about Vader, you know, helped the empire hunt down and, you know, murdered your father, the Jedi, you you finally get to see it. This is why I was so excited about the prequels. The guy is here. Let's see what he did to earn that rep and eventually get himself almost killed by his brother. Um, it it really is. It's just a it's a visually iconic moment. The 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 music obviously is very uh, touching and and, and memorable. I, I forget the the title track, but you know you, you hear like the oh, there's like the wailing going on. You you really feel it like. You see Padme crying, the temple's burning. It's it's this great stuff here. And, um, you know, it's been nice we've gotten other angles of this attack, yeah. right, from the Mandalorian. That, that's that been nice through Grogu's yeah. um, flashbacks. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, this clearly had to make it, but the, the Battle of the Heroes is 100% a, a standout Star Wars scene. I, I'm not going to deny that. It, it, it's very clear. It, it is probably the most intense longest uh, duel in all of Star Wars. Uh, visually, it looks wild. I mean, it, it changes locations. They end up fighting on lava, even though it's ridiculous and that wasn't supposed to happen, mm-hmm. but whatever. George does what George does. Yeah. And really, it's a shame that he does because I think if Gallard and the team were able to ex- end the fight the way they had planned, where... Anakin looks like he's winning and he literally has Obi-Wan in a force choke, maybe one of his first force chokes to kill. Yeah. But but Obi has enough in him to recall his saber and in, in that recall, he ignites it, cuts off um, Anakin's legs, and then as he gets it, he slices his arm off. And that's how Obi-Wan won versus the whole now highly memeable high ground scene. So listen, people, if... There's a lot of fucking memes that come from the prequels. There's not a lot of memes coming from the OT. Yeah. Okay. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, so like, I agree with you. Like, it's unquestionable that this is an iconic moment. And like the way that I explain it is like, once the fight starts, there's essentially no word said until they're floating on the, like the lava river towards the end. Like, you know, you are lost, blah, 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 all that. But like the physicality and not between these two actors in this fight is unquestionable. Like the, the amount of repetition that they put into like the choreographing of this fight. And if you just look at their facial expressions, which I think is the most interesting to watch during the fight, because they give you close-ups of their faces. It's like the physicality, the expressions, the clear, like sense of anger that Anakin's fighting with and the clear sense of like loss and, and, and just like desperation that Obi-Wan is fighting with like desperation to save his friend almost, you know, like it's not even like, it's like, and the galaxy. Cause he, he knows like he had, like Yoda says, you have to take this fuck out. And it's like, he know he's like, and he doesn't want to, like, he doesn't want to kill his friend. And that's why he doesn't at the end. Like he does, like, he's like, what can I do 
to where I don't have to kill you, but I can like neutralize you or like bring this to some sort of end that is not you dying. Like Obi-Wan is fighting with all of his, his being to achieve that goal. And he just can't like, he just realizes like, even in the moment where he's like, he's defeated and he knows that he should kill him. That's why he stands there and yells at him and, and, and stares at him that last time on, on the bank of the, of the river of lava is like, I should kill. I know, I know what Yoda, like Yoda told me to kill you, but I, I can't do it. I physically can't do it. I think that this scene is even for it's like meme ability at the end with the, with the high ground and like, you know, yeah, it's like, there's a lot of wand wavy and flashy lights and bright colors, but it's like the intensity and everything that's put into this scene by the two actors is, is you can feel it regardless. Like it's just well, powerful. I, 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 yeah. I mean th- this, honestly, it's not like I've seen a ton of movie duels. I, I didn't really get into the swashbuckling shit from the black and white era. So I'm, I'm trying to think, but if, if you just think of a pure saber duel, this has in in all of cinema. This probably is in the top five, if not top three, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just just from as you said, a a performer uh, viewpoint. What these what these dudes put into this fight, but it is. I mean, when you you think about of how how great this fight is, the the ballet that it provides, but it is hard to to think about the the end and and how it ends and the. It's just rough, man. Like I said, dude, anytime people talk in the prequels, it's just like, just don't, just don't say anything. What are we doing? Like the high, like, what are we doing? It's like, how how has the chosen one with all that energy and bouncing around, you decide, Hey, this is a good time to just sit here and fucking brag a little bit about my skills. Do you remember when TLJ released, there was that version of the movie that came out on movies anywhere. If you bought it on a, a digital platform and connected to movies anywhere that was just the movie with no dialogue and then the soundtrack over it. That's what all the prequels should have been because the, the, <laughs> the dialogue is so bad. All hey, I clipped that the shit. time. Like it's, it's so bad. And like it does, it, t- it takes you out of greatness at times. And this is a perfect example. And like the other, so we're past it now. So I'll say the other line read that I think that you and like, there was nothing he could do about it. And he was probably instructed to say this, but like, it's the line where right before he goes to Musafar, he's sitting on the balcony with Padme. And he's like, I saw a video of him killing younglings. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like, and then like, like Natalie's line back is like, no, no. It's like, it's the worst. Like, it is it's bad. just so I, bad. I honestly, I think our next special topic, once we're done with this, should be Nick reenacting bad dialogue moments from Dude, the prequels. It's just like, this is fucking fantastic. Like, I just, <laughs> for a movie that like, like for, and it's just like, and unfortunately, like it happens in the sequels too. Like there's, there's just line reads that are trash and like lines that are written that are terrible. Like somehow Palpatine returned. Like, obviously that's awful. But like this, this shit in here, like is equally as bad. Like everybody memes mm-hmm. somehow Palpatine returned now because it's like really fucking bad. But like, that's my point. Like Star Wars memes, usually uh, they they come to fruition because of something silly, wonky, or bad. Yeah, it's like 
the dialogue reads like some of the dialogue reads in the prequels are some of the worst dialogue reads I've ever seen in movies. Straight and up. The best part, George Lucas on sets like, yep, yeah, fucking check. cut, move on, cut, got <laughs> yeah. it. Next, move on. <laughs> Ewan, you killed that line about the ray shields, bro. Fucking killed it. It's like, and and look, and people are watching it. Like, what is he saying? Something that we're not? Because that. I mean, this is yeah. like fucking sci-fi channel. Yeah, shit. like the script supervisor is like, yeah, I guess that's a Ooh. cut. Then, <laughs> I yeah. guess that's. I guess we you got sure, it. George, you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to try another take. Maybe it's change like, the words up like a little you, bit. Change the it's tone. Like you want to? No. Yeah. Nailed it's it. Like you don't want to let Ewan Cook, the guy <laughs> who is going to win an Oscar in the future, like you don't want to let yeah, that guy it. think of some stuff. No. Okay. Let's go. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. All right. Well, hey, we're not done with Rots yet. I got two more coming at you. Penultimate, Yoda v. Palpatine. All right, come on. Visually impressive. You had the tops of their orders battling for the first time. And a good guy loses. And that's there, there's a lot to say about good guys losing in Star Wars because it doesn't happen very often. So uh, it, it was a fun battle from start to finish. Kind of starts Old West style. <laughs> he walks into Palpatine's office, flicks his little tunic back, drops his cane, takes out the Imperial Guards. Um, and, and then you get to see Sidious and, and his physical prowess in his shitty you know, butt plug lightsaber. But I, I do dig this, this battle in the Senate chamber. Dude, there's... <laughs> there's one there's one moment in this fight that it just like every time I think about it, it pops in my head. It's like when it's when the save like Yoda's la- saber flies out of his hand and, and Sidious is laying into him with the lightning and Yoda's blocking it. And then like it builds up and like Ian makes this face that's just like it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's like when oh, the yeah, light- he's like, Oh, what's this happening? Like, Oh, yeah. like he's taking a big what? shit or something like a, yeah. Like a turd's <laughs> not coming out. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like this, this scene was fun. Cause it was just, it was just so funny to see him just like throwing all these Senate chairs and yeah, all Senate pods are flying like, around. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Like this is insane. It's an insane scene to watch and it's not bad. Like it's not, it's not bad, but it's just funny every time I watch it. Cause you got like Yoda jumping around to different fucking like, uh, to different Senate pods. Like he's like a monkey swinging on, uh, like tree, tree limbs and shit. And like he Palpatine's just up there laughing, swinging his arms around. It's just a wild scene to watch for sure. It's just so funny. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, hey, our, our buddy loses, and as we said a few weeks ago, if it wasn't for Bail Organa, then the galaxy loses, too, because Bail yeah, but- saved the Jedi Order, not not Yoda and Obi-Wan. Bail Organa did. Uh, all right, final moment here, and this one is legit. It is. It's probably one of the only well-done scenes in Revenge of the Sith, and that is Darth Vader's first breath in the suit really the the whole construction of the suit the surgery i love that up, up I mean, until that, that's the stuff i don't worry i'm getting there buddy <laughs> don't worry just like every, every other scene we've talked about it, it does get ruined like you were about to say but this is what i wanted to see in the prequels mm-hmm. not not obviously not a full movie of him putting the the, the suit on but this moment, seeing Anakin suffer and just, you know, the, the droids working on him. But really, that point of view, we get to see him looking up. 
and it's really it's it's Anakin Skywalker's last time using his eyes mm-hmm. and it locks on and he takes that first breath and I actually can hear him I think he says he exhales like Padme is is like the last thing he gets out but you see that that it, it goes <laughs> like the the seal comes mm-hmm. in and then the and his first breath in the suit is a it's a pretty strong moment until they prop his ass up Sidious tweaks his tits and gets him to act like a brain dead fucking Frankenstein's monster doing the no (laughs) as he lumbers out doesn't even look like a capable functioning functioning humanoid like he okay yeah i guess he just got new legs but <laughs> if, if the dude can crush an entire lab and rip out steel restraints i think the motherfucker would be able to walk too like i said but yeah the, the no just as you're probably gonna say it just cheapens all the feels that this scene starts to build up it's, right? it's whenever they talk like whenever like people start to talk in the prequels it all goes downhill like there's there's just he didn't nail any of the dialogue. Like there's, there's stuff that's like watchable and like, you're going to get through it. There's not a memorable line read from the fucking prequels that I can think of right now. Like there's no, and now young Skywalker, you will die. Like there's none of it. There's nothing sister, sister, like nothing. There is not Obi-Wan's failure is complete. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. none of it. You can indeed you are more powerful than the emperor has foreseen. Yeah, like there's so many memory like I am your father. So many memorable line reads from the OT and there are none from the prequels. Zero. And like no. it's no, it's now this is where the fun begins. Yeah. This is pod racing. Like that might be the <laughs> most memorable line read. <laughs> I doubt Nick has seen this, but if anyone else has seen it, I might have put it on our Discord. It's fantastic. Someone takes the opening Rots montage, you know, where Anakin is kind of commanding R2 to, to scan oh, and, and deal they with put, the buzz they droids. put young Anakin yeah, over? I've they, seen they, that. No, no, oh. no, no, no. No, they, they, they let us hear what R2 is thinking as Anakin's giving these commands, and it's hilarious. He's like... Which one of these five million targets do you want me to lock onto, idiot? He's like, yeah, I see. They're they're literally biting the ship right. It's like anytime Anakin says some, R two has a a sassy nice. reply. Yeah, I saw I saw one where uh, it was like young Anakin dubbed over the intro to Rots, and I was like, oh gosh, this is so yeah. funny. Uh, all right, so that takes us out of Rots. Now, like I said, we're gonna wrap with Kenobi and Solo here before the um, fan segment. Um, yeah, Bat, Bat's seeing it here, the 20,000 okay, targets, yeah. and R2's like, yeah, which one do you want me to lock onto, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Okay. Oh, great. So, um, shifting into the, the, the Kenobi series. I mean, again, Kenobi, I know it's it's 10 years after the prequels, but it, it still felt like prequel Kenobi. They're hashing through their prequel shit, so yeah, it's 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 in this conversation of top moments, and, and Nick, I'm starting with Vader terrorizing a town just to flush out Kenobi. You know, he, he murdered a few people, dragged the guy out of his house, broke his neck while his wife watched, and just slowly lumbers towards his, his prey, and, and really just embarrasses Obi-Wan and his sleeping force abilities so much so that he gets a little retribution from his own burning and uh, lights our man on fire. Yeah. Now, obviously the, the, the optics of the scene are silly. It's very prequel. S. like, okay, Vader, you had your guy. 
and you you literally just have a line of fire, but you're gonna let a droid walk behind it and and get away yeah, with it. Yeah, I was him. gonna say, dude, like so. he got so easily <laughs> distracted in that scene, right? But it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like he he was he was almost masturbating as he was watching Obi Wan kind of relive his his burning experience, but. Really, come on. I mean, we get to see Darth Vader again, being Darth Vader, just terrorizing that town. And the fear it was putting in the Obi-Wan, so much so that it wasn't even a duel the first time they met in the Kenobi series. Yeah, no, I mean, like, this was like, the while he, like, when he is going through that city before he finds Kenobi, it's like a horror movie scene when the oh, fucking, yeah. when, when yeah. like... Jason or Michael Myers is like slowly plotting behind his target, but you know, he's going to get him. And like, like you said, like he's ripping people out of their homes, like killing people indiscriminately. Like that is, that's the type of Vader that we're like, make a whole show around that dude. Like, like, like just understand as a, as a collective group of star Wars creators that like visceral, angry malevolent vader is what people want to see that's why people watch that show like mm-hmm. like and they need to mm-hmm. understand that and like that yeah it was like that was just like I, next level vader i do stuff. not know why this character is seemingly untouchable i i don't i mean he he is star wars george himself has said it i mean star wars one through six is purely about this character no one else. It is the journey of Anakin Skywalker from slave boy to redeemed Jedi master. Yeah. And the, and the fact that, as Nick said, the one of the live action series that you did get a massive nostalgia bump from was Kenobi because of the titular character and probably even more so the allure of seeing the man in black show up. Oh, again. yeah. And, and actually do stuff and be a menace and be malevolent, like blah, blah, blah. I'll let Nick say those bigger words. So uh, don't be surprised that most of the top scenes coming out of Kenobi are Vader-centric, all right? So the next one, big surprise. Vader single-handedly taking down a transport Starkiller style and then the cherry on top making his recently named Grand Inquisitor look like a complete and utter incompetent putz in the duel that he has with Reva. It's one of the more impressive shows of Vader's power, both in the force and his skills in fighting. Yeah. I mean, this shit, like this is the type of stuff that we've always wanted to see from this character and that we've like never even really seen in cartoon form, you know, like, no, like we have some scenes of comic books at best is where you get. some. Yeah. And I, I just think that like, However they approach the Kenobi, you know, series, like that's how you have to approach anything that's related to Vader. Like you can't be afraid to use him. No. Like you like and it feels like that sometimes. It feels like they're afraid well, to use him. Yeah, he's a sacred cow for some reason. And I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get but it. But when you do it well, like they did in this show, like it's fucking great. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, no, no, he's questions. amazing. It's just, it, it, the show really should just been called Vader. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I, I, I enjoyed some of the Kenobi stuff, it, the, the Vader just dominates the, the standout moments. Case in point, more Vader. More Vader. So the, the scene here, obviously this is a, a probably in all of star Wars, one of my, 
my favorites here, but it, it's the Anakin is gone. I am what remains. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I Look did. at that. A memorable line read from the TV show, and we couldn't rattle off one from all three pre- prequels. Like, just, yeah. it was perfectly delivered, and it was done in a way that shows you the depth of madness of this character. And I think when oh, yeah. he says he's, that he's too, he smiles. Like there's this evil oh, yeah. grin that comes across yes. his face and you're like, Oh, this is, this is how far we've fallen. Like oh, yeah. it's, it was so well done. And it was like, you, you give Hayden something like that and you let him cook with something like that. And you get this scene and like, you get that moment. And it was just like, perfect it was perfect yeah it's it's brilliant like i said i mean it's it 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 would probably be in my my top 10 overall like if we're we're, we'll probably have to do that when we're all said and done right we'll we'll do our our top 10 overall but this goes there for the points nick laid out it was just it was beautifully dark Mm -hmm. if you will beautifully dark uh well you know mm-hmm. we we got to give him a little bit of a little bit of love since it was his series and and Nick I I I put the two images here and really there was three discussions that Obi-Wan had with young Leia and they were all emotionally powerful because we could see the pain he had in his heart talking to this essentially orphan child because of what her parents got into right before she was born but I, if I have to settle on one, I'll probably go with their final exchange on Alderaan, where he really sits her down and kind of lays out to her, like, listen, you're, you're pretty awesome, and you need to know that you get that both from your mother, she gives you this, but your father, who you also never knew, my one-time brother, mm-hmm. he, he gave you this. And uh, it, it was a pretty powerful moment for... I would assume most fanboys to kind of see that through line, see what Obi-Wan went through in this series and how fucked up he was because of Anakin. But by the end, he was able to remember his brother and let his, his, his brother's daughter know, like, listen, you are, you are awesome because of these people. And and I will always be here for you. Yeah. I, I mean, it's one of those moments that like looking back on it now, like just these three scenes, I'm like, well, yeah, like this is why Kenobi was one of my, like probably either number one or number two in terms of Star Wars TV series. Like it's, it's very close between Kenobi and the Mandalorian. And it's because like of scenes like this, where you're building the bonds, you're building character relationships, you're, you're fit, you're like opening and closing character loops that have persisted in the storytelling since the sh- like since Star Wars was incepted, like it's it's like powerful moments between key characters that like we haven't been able to see anywhere else for a while. And I think that like the team that made Kenobi is just like Deborah Chow and like everybody who wrote on this show, they understood the weight of the characters in this show and they executed on it very well. And like it almost felt like in, in, in some other like instances of Star Wars TV and movies that like they didn't fully understand the weight of the characters that they were working with. And I felt I feel like Deborah and team on Kenobi really understood the assignment and they they executed it 
to a very high level. And like, yeah, hundred hundred percent. It goes to your point too, Nick. It's we're talking about dialogue. Yeah. Like dialogue. Like Star Wars, in my opinion, is at its best through the dialogue. Exactly. Like flashy colors and, and cool CG and ships sure. flying all over yeah, the explosions. Sure. It's really cool to watch, but it's sure. not substantive. Like, right. That, that, that's not how you weave lore. Yeah. You weave lore through, through, through dialogue and world building and character building, not action and flash. Yeah. I love, I love me action and flash, but that's never been why I love, I love star Wars because of the story. Yeah. And like, I, I which comes from the dialogue. I guess for me, like that's why like Andor is, is a great show. Well executed, but like, you know, people are like, Oh, I love Andor because Andor doesn't feel like star Wars or like Andor is like a, it's just a, it's a, like a spy show with a star Wars skin. And it's like, yeah, but I like star Wars. Like, that's I like Star Wars for Star Wars and like yeah I like spy movies yeah I love Jason Bourne and stuff like that but like I like Kenobi because Kenobi is Star Wars expression at one of the highest levels that we've seen in a while like and that's why I rank this show above Andor when everybody else is like Andor is the best like to me Kenobi is unquestionably the best because I like Star Wars and I like Star Wars characters and I like these characters when they're done extremely well and in Kenobi they're done extremely well. So it's like that's that's why yeah. Andor to me is like yeah it's cool but it's like I don't give a fuck about these characters like whatever they're all dead yeah, in, right. in a I... week like <laughs> yeah you got great points I I, I loved Andor and I, I still felt like it was Star Wars correct uh with it without the mysticism but yeah i mean kenobi definitely perfected that and i think ahsoka got close and the, really the I, I think you would you would still be talking very favorably about ahsoka if it wasn't if it for, thrawn. for episodes six seven eight. yeah if it yeah, wasn't for thrawn like they really that, hit it, all the marks on there it was rough because I, I remember i was like damn this is fun like nick's actually into this shit we're having great combos and then episode six comes and I could just see the joy get ripped from your soul. <laughs> yes. It's like you were done. You, you checked out of a soak. You're like, fuck this. <laughs> it was just like, uh, they had it they had right. done such a good job until he came in and I was like, Oh my God, you fucking dropped the ball at the one. <laughs> you dropped it at the one. You only had one more character left. It, you had to nail. Cause I, I, I do feel like Ahsoka had the dialogue and the action going for it for the it, most it part. Did. You know, it did. It was so close. It did. It just, but Thrawn ruined it, it for did. you. I know, uh, I know. I know. All right. I don't, I don't want to get you worked heart, up. Heartbreaker. <laughs> All right. We got, we got one more property to get through before we reveal our personal top fives, and that is our boy Solo. And uh, one scene here, Nick, I, I'll never forget. I just remember how funny it was the first time I saw it, but it also scratched a lore itch for me and it was the 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 first ever meeting between Chewie and Han mm-hmm. and uh, we, we got to see them in that mud pit and and how he, Han was supposed to be Chewie's lunch but then they they somehow act out a plan to get out together I don't it just it, I thought it was a great way to establish their bond and why they go on to essentially become boyfriends yeah in, in the franchise it just it's just it's a and I, I give a lot of credit to Lord Miller because I think this is a scene that got them fired because it, they spent, I believe, four weeks to shoot it because <laughs> <laughs> they, they wanted so many different outtakes and different, you know, deliveries of, of some of the, the comedy. Yeah. 
but it, it just it really I felt it captured that Han and Chewie essence, if you will. Dude, it, I one hundred percent agree. Like this scene, it set the stage for what their relationship would be like from this moment until when Han died in TFA. Like it it was such a good representation of the two characters and how they interact with each other and like how their relationship is built. And I just think that it was, it was a home run. Like they knocked that out the park and um, it was such a pivotal scene too. Like leading up to the release of this movie, I was like, I really want to see how they do the, the Han and Chewie meeting. And like, is it going to big? Yeah, it's big. shit. And and I think that they, they really kind of nailed the tone of it. Like him trying to like him speaking Shri Wook and like all that. I I was like, it's so well done. And Chewie's like, what the fuck? Yeah. He's like, burger. <laughs> no, I just grabbed I me mean, literally. Han, as Han is getting beaten to death, he realized like, hey, by him throwing me at this pole, we could get yeah, out. Could get so let, let, let me try to get this beast to understand that. Yeah. Dude, it was it was just so well done. Uh, and like, man, it is good. It is good. It fit the tone of this movie perfectly, and like that's why I like Solo so much. Is like Solo uh, feels like an appropriate departure from Star Wars, <laughs> but in a way that like makes sense for the characters that are involved. Dude, like it was so Alden good. and Alden and Eunice were were fantastic. They were. They, were they so really good. were. I I mean, I I would go watch Solo two in a heartbeat tomorrow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because because I it, like that that was the dynamic that that made that movie for me. And watching these two together throughout the whole movie was just a fucking blast. Like just talking about it, this scene makes me want to go watch Solo again. I haven't watched it in a little bit. I'm, like I'm I may boot it up later uh, and like just because I I really enjoy that movie. No, I'm I'm glad we're doing this because I'm at the point of year where I get four weeks off. So yeah, you can hate me, I love it. And uh, throughout those four weeks, for the past couple of years, I've I've done the the rewatch of the movies. So it's it's fun to talk about this and get some new ideas to to go back and watch and have a laugh. But yeah, this is just thinking about this scene is bringing smiles to my face. All right, uh, one more top scene from Solo, and I know Nick and I were on the same page with this yeah. one. It's it's pretty much the Kessel Run mission itself. I forgot that there was the droid yeah, uprising the, caused by Lee. Yep, yep. That <laughs> that was great. But but to me, Nick, I think the standout is the escape. Yeah. From from the mall or whatever it was, the Kessel Run itself, and and how they had to incorporate Leet into the Falcon, and at the last second, she got her programming in there, and and, and Han with his supreme piloting abilities was able to kind of save the day. And, and obviously we got to see his legend come to fruition in the, the Kessel run that we hear him talk about in a new hope. Yeah. So it, it checked a lot of boxes for a super fan. Exactly. Exactly. Like the moment, like you understand why the Falcons Navi computer is the best in the galaxy. You understand how the less than 12 parsecs happen. You understand the Kessel. Like it brings all of these just wildly iconic like line reads and and dialogue from the original trilogy to life in a way that's like fun and exciting and and really like brings understanding to like Han in his perception in the galaxy like why does this job of the hut respect this dude so much that he would like give him a second chance and and like really you know 
have him as one of his trusted smugglers early, like that early on in his career. It's because of this. And it was so well executed by, yeah, I don't know if Lord and Miller were involved as well as Ron Howard or, or, or what hands touched this, but like the scene, as soon as they get on Kessel, the droid uprising, everything that happens to lead all the way through the, the finish of the Kessel run, I think was, was just so well done. It used all of the characters in, in that troop so well. Yep. Like it's just, it was a next level type of experience when I saw that in theaters. I was like, this is some fun shit. And if this is what they wanted to do with the spinoffs, it's like bring those iconic moments that you never got to see to life like this. I was like, I'm all in. Like, just just well, keep bro, doing it. I mean, we would have got the scene how he falls out with he Jabba. He dumped the spice. Like, what's the spice dump? dump? Dumping like, it. Yeah, dumping it when the Imperials showed up. Like, what was that mission and... And and how many great successes did he have before that? But oh well, Bob wanted Mary Poppins, and Star Wars fans decided to to stage a strike over their childhoods being ruined by TLJ, whatever nonsense that was. But yeah, it's a great film. It still holds up, and it's a shame that we never got to kind of continue with see these the trilogy, or at least a a sequel to fruition. Yeah. Well, there you go, my friends. That or those are the top scenes from the prequels, Kenobi and Solo. Real quick before we put this bit to bed, our personal top fives. I'll go ahead and start with my co-host, Young Nick here. Coming in at number five, he had the Rots opening. Mm -hmm. Yes. Number four, the one we just discussed, the Kessel Run droid uprising. Number three, the Boonta Eve pod race. Fred hit the drums. <laughs> number two, Battle of the Heroes. And number one. Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. There we go. Okay, now we'll slide over to mine, see if we are in line. And we are not, <laughs> because I do find some pros in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so <laughs> my number five is the Seismic Charge. There you go gotta do Whoa. that yep my number four look at me i am mr attack of the clones is anakin's tuscan hate number three anakin is gone that is the the scene we just talked about from kenobi number two vader's first breath i clearly have a hard on for the man in black and finally because we are co-hosts and some have accused us of being a dyad in the force. My number one, Duel of the Fate. There we go. There we go. Hey, nah. All right. That was good. So uh, I don't, I think next week we're going to do our, our year end as we usually do. Cause that'll be our last show of 2023. Yes. So I anticipate coming back to this and covering Andor Rogue One and then the original trilogy for our first show in 2024. So um, hopefully you dug this. We are not done. Like I said, we, we still have two more 
episodes to get through of the SWTS top scenes from live action Star Wars. There we go. All right. Appreciate you, people. We appreciate you so much. We dedicate a weekly fan segment to all of our fandos out there. There's two ways to get involved. Well, these days we're, we're approaching three. We have Ask Us a Question, which we did to kick the show off today. We have our question to the fan, which we always theme around one of our topics. And then, of course, our top five Star Wars fan artist features. So we usually start with the question of the week. This week's question was obviously themed to our special topic. So we are asking fans, what is your top scene from that era of films? And if I can get the correct graphic up, we will get into it. So there you go. Your question of the week. What is one of your favorite scenes from the prequels, Kenobi, or the solo movie and the usual suspects came out in full force, Nick? Indeed. Let's they hear it. Did. So to kick it off this week, we have at Ripic Tan on the Instagram. He says the scene in Rots when Palps finally reveals his true identity to Anakin. That scene is terrific with Ian's facial expressions and line delivery, plus the musical cues and changes and themes. Such a uh, such and great turning point in the film. Uh, He's talking about when Anakin figures it out and pulls his lightsaber on him and yeah, talks a big game. You're like the I'm a, Sith yeah. Lord. Right. And then, then he just shits the bed. So yeah, go, go rot. Yeah. yeah. I mean like that, that little, like, it's like a walk around scene. Like they walk around each other. No, that, that's a good scene. Yeah. yeah, Anakin, you, you finally figured it out, but Mm. whatever. We spent too much time on it. Go ahead. (laughs) Next next. up league of extraordinary six. There's says, I totally enjoyed watching Yoda duel in the OT. We don't really see that. So watching it in the prequels, was dope even though i'm not a solo enthusiast i did enjoy the train heist kenobi that is a good one train heist train heist almost made mine because the train heist that is that is damn good actually first time you see cloud riders first time like that's when you lose val like you know yeah i can't believe i forgot that that. the the range troopers and their magno boots like that that was a sick scene like uh, like the fighting on the moving train with the mag boots yeah damn that was good good point out league i i'm ashamed to myself that I, I left that out that is definitely that should have been one of ours yeah that that was awesome and then uh they say you have failed me kenobi for me were the interactions between kenobi and anakin yeah. slash vader so of yeah course. i mean like of course the dialogue the dialogue <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue not the flashies yeah. not the vroom vroom uh, and the pew pew our good friends at beyond the dune see they say all of revenge of the sith and then have Chef's Kiss. Chef Kiss, mother. Right that, that's his sign-off yeah. to, to us now. I love it. Uh, good, all good of Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Some questionable stuff in there. I know that they're Jedi, and they should know better than this, but they still got caught in those ray shields. So, uh, 2797 Studios, our good friend Bat. He says, just one? Oh, boy. Well, the mall... We're smarter than this. <laughs> We're smarter than that to know to pick one. He says, well, mall, dual, and TPM... Uh, the yeah. clones in AOTC, Anakin slash yeah. Obi-Wan duel in Rots, mm-hmm. Vader slash Obi-Wan duel in Kenobi, and finally, the Kiesel. The Kiesel, the Kiesel run. run that's, that's the, there you go. That one, one you that one you can do in less than 10 parsecs. The, the, the Kiesel, Kiesel run, run is less than a 10. A lot yeah, shorter. Castle is 12. Yeah. So, uh, good stuff. Not bad, there. Bat. Well, yeah, you, you, you think all right. You, you think correctly. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Bango31 says, got a question for the lads. I personally love the idea of making Solo a heist film. However, 
Would you have preferred a different kind of heist? And did the introduction of spaceship fuel annoy you as much as it did me? I'd always operated on the assumption that they discovered some infinite energy source for the ships and had moved beyond cosmic Cadillacs. Uh, no, I mean, I like, I'll, I'll respond to the question first. Like the starship fuel thing never really got to me because like it, like Star Trek, they have starship fuel and everything they do. Yeah. It was so new. I was like, all right, coaxium. Sure. It looks, it's like this little crystal. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I assume that there, there was some sort of starship fuel because like in every other sci-fi property, they had starship fuel of some sort. So we just like, I was just like, oh, we just never saw it. Um, however, do you prefer a, di- have you, would I have preferred a different heist? I mean, here's the thing is like the heist itself is such a short part of that film, you know, like, the heist itself is only like the beginning, like forty minutes. Well, of there's there, there's technically two. two. Yeah, so you there's have multiple. The train, and then then you have the big coaxium heist at, at Castle. Yeah, like there there's multiple parts of it, and like I I rather enjoyed both of the heist because like the Kessel heist turned into the fucking droid uprising fiasco. All this shit, like it was that was yeah, super dude. fun to watch, and then I thought that the train heist was really well done. I think that the, the, the train scenes and stuff were all awesome. Yeah. I, it sounds like Bango digs it. It just, the, the MacGuffin, if you will, wasn't his. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't like the fuel. So, so to answer Bango directly, no, I, I would not have preferred cause I'm, I'm with Nick. It, it didn't, didn't really bother me. Yeah. I just thought that there um, was like, it's yeah. I mean, it's, it's space. They, they're stealing something spacey sounding. Yeah, so like, good I mean, I was like, fuck it. You know, it makes sense. The, the empire would have been hoarding that shit at this, at this point in time, it would have been gold to uh, rebels or people that weren't in the empire. So yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I, I honestly didn't even put any thought to it. It was like, they need to steal shit. It could literally have been a box of shit. Yeah. It's like, and whatever. I mean, like as long as it looked neat, it's like and had decent dialogue. I mean, like, how much do you want to use kyber crystals? Like, yeah, they could be stealing kyber crystals, but like, how often can you be like, yeah, kyber crystal this, kyber crystal that? There's kyber crystals over here. Like, it, I feel like it, it worked, but yeah. Uh, Nova Toymation says, Duel of the Fates and TPM. We got pieces of this in the trailers leading up to its release, and I remember the anticipation of seeing this scene in theaters. It definitely didn't let me down. Yeah, for sure. That's the one thing I wonder, the, the youngins, like the prequel hardcores, I wonder, do they feel like they missed out, that they didn't get to live through the release of the movies as an adult? Like, because I'll never, I mean, I will never forget TPM. I was a freshman in college up at Kent State in my dorm room, finally on a land because it was a college campus. I had dial up at home trying to find the goddamn trailer you know how hard it was to find trailers back in the oh, turn yeah, of the century there was it, no youtube there was no, no like video it, it, hosting it, it, platforms it was impossible like. so when i actually found a copy of it i, I still not i think it might have been kazar or peer-to-peer i would watch that over and over i was the guy that bought tickets to monsters inc to go just to that. watch the trailer and then i would leave it was so fucking exciting preparing for tpm yeah i think that like now it's just like it's such a different experience because it's it's re- everything is readily available anywhere I, you I want it I, to I, be. Dude, I hate trailers now. I, I literally, I, I, the way I'm so close to my theater, I leave when the movie is scheduled to start 
So you missed. So the- I know I'm going to miss the 20 minutes of trailers and I'm going to sit down right when Nicole Kidman tells me that movies are important and AMC is the best. Yeah. <laughs> but you are right. I mean, trailers, at least to me, they used to be appointment viewing. Yeah. Like trailers coming out was a fucking thing, especially for the Star Wars prequels. It was like, oh, my God, which movie are they going to attach it to? And can I go there and see it and leave? Yeah. So just a different time now. But yeah, hey, what can we do? Yeah. They don't give a fuck about anything. I mean, the, all, all these generations care about are their verticals. Like, hey, what sort of stupid shits on TikTok, YouTube or Instagram? today? Yeah. So. They could give two fucks about the next Star Wars movie or show. Gone are those days. But uh, yeah. close this one out. Mando Pirates says Duel of the Fates and Pod Race and TPM. Django Fett and Obi Wan Chase and AOTC. Order 66 and Rots and Anakin and Obi Wan Duel. Uh, Vader and Kenobi Duel and Kenobi and the final Kessel. And finally, the Kessel Run and Train Heist and Solo. Mando's so. got it locked and He's loaded. got it locked and Way loaded. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention Order 66. I mean, like, those are a lot of, like, disparate scenes pieced together. And I think they, they did a pretty good job. But some right, some but of that it, shit looked wonky, too. Not going to yeah, lie. It's, like, it's not not real standout. I mean, watch I, watch Isla get yeah, killed like, the way she falls uh, down. Watch Kiata Mundi. And it's like, what, what are yeah, we like doing? Some, some of those death scenes were a little questionable. The only ones that look good are, I think it was like Adi Galia. She just kind of blows up on a yeah. on like a column on her speeder. Yeah. And then Plo, Plo, he gets blown up in his ship. Yeah, Plo, Plo's was the best because he's like ping-ponging off the buildings yeah, and, and shit. Then a fireball <laughs> takes him out. Yeah. But yeah the, some of the order 66 deaths. It's a, little, a little weird. L- like Nick said, it, it was like the, the C unit, the intern, George is like, Hey, see that fucking green wall over there? Film a uh, Kiati falling over for me. Real yeah. Quick. It's like, Hey, it's like, uh, all right, Ayla, George, can you just you like it. go like this and fall, just like wave <laughs> your arms in the air and then spin. It's like, it is. All right. I mean, I, Isla Security literally she does she she like swoons over like oh it's like oh yeah. these these blasters like a, are too much it's like an old twenties woman falling down exactly from that's what I mean like, like like swooning yeah. like puts her arm up like oh here's King Kong to take like, me up the Empire State oh, Building gosh woo yeah. all right my time. friends while we get the the screen switched around Nick let's kick into the final segment here that top yes. five that everyone loves to see the top five if you want to get involved in this here segment on the Star Wars Time Show. Make sure to follow us at StarWarsTime.show on Instagram. We've got our account back over a thousand follows after it getting nuked by Instagram. So we're we're slowly building back up. Um, follow us at StarWarsTime.show on Instagram, and then on any of your Star Wars art pieces, uh, tag us at Star Wars Time Show. Add tag at Star Wars Time Show, and then go ahead and use that hashtag Star Wars Time Show on there as well. Uh, Matt will make his uh, his featured image vignette from all of the different uh, ways that you can uh, involve yourself, hashtags, tags, and ats. But I only pull the top five from the tagged posts. So make sure to add tag at StarWarsTime.show. Yes. Very important. If you want to make the top five, you got to get in front of Lord Nick's eyes because I'll, I'll be seeing it. And and we do do the, the the daily reels. I just no longer save them in the main profile because that shit was starting to look like word vomit. <laughs> so uh, for the most part, the the art reels are now in our reels tab. If you need to see, there those. you go. So to kick off the top five this week, I, I fucking love this. Th- shot. This one's awesome. This is from Galactic Photography sixty six. There's been a series all week, Nick. I don't know if you saw like Galactic's build up to this kill. 
Yeah. But but they were they were kind of detailing the duel until the, this shot that you yeah, picked so, on her here. So this is uh part three of Galactic Photography 66's <laughs> Maroc versus Marek, which is Gail Ga- <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Marek and Maroc. Yeah, so right. it's uh you know, Star Killer from Force Unleashed and then Maroc, the nobody character from Ahsoka. Uh, but gas bag. Boy. Yes, the gas bag guy. And it's the killing blow. It's the kill shot here from uh, Galen Merrick, a.k.a. Starkiller to Maroc, the gas bag in armor. And what we see is uh, Starkiller uh, fully mounted on his uh, prone foe on the ground driving his saber through his chest uh, with sparks igniting coming up from the armor itself in the in the the visceral look of anger as he drives his blade into uh, Maroc's chest. It's just really well executed here for sure. That facial expression, man, is fucking great. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not laughing at it because it's funny. I'm just laughing at it because it's funny. I, I just, I, I love it. It's great. This is a, um, Star Killer is a black series. I know they don't sell it in stores, but if I saw him, I'd probably pick him up because he is a great looking figure. I think he's got multiple head sculpts, as you can see here with the the screaming expression. But I, there's just something about this shot and him <laughs> through the chest of, of Maroc here. It just it kicks ass. So love it. Galactic Photography 66. Job well done on this little scene you provided for us this week. Indeed. Good stuff. Next up, Galagus Rax picks here with the uh, best been seen between Lando and uh, Vader. Making the deal. Yeah, like, I will alter the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Um, but yes, just uh, that scene where you have Lando talking to to Vader as they make their way through the Bespin hallways. You can even see Boba Fett way there in the background as he's making his way off. I, I like, do you see, do you see Boba? He's, he's just literally, he's looking, he's bombing the pit. Yeah, he's like looking I mean, that, directly that, that's at the a, camera. That's a photo bomb. I love it. Um, <laughs> but I just think that it was, a, it was a fantastic scene composition here by Galagus Rax Picks. And it's one of the obviously, you know, no bot, uh, you know, it's obviously a great scene here between Lando and Vader as they discuss the deal that has been altered. Um, oh yeah. So no, Galagus Rax picks is a fucking killer when it comes to scenes and, and the three seven five inch figs because these are all the tiny babies here. Uh, but Galagus always has scenes packed with figures, and I just applaud them for their patience because I wonder how many times those motherfuckers dominoed themselves at, right as as they were placing the last figure. It's one of the coolest things you can experience as a toy photographer when your subjects <laughs> quit on you just as you're about ready to snap the shutter. Um, but yeah, Galagus racks picks Instagram. That's it. Next up is at trooper underscore outpost on Instagram. And it's just like a, you know, sometimes just seeing bucket heads on Tatooine, the, the, the dune sea and Tatooine. Sometimes it just, does it for me and yeah dig it and it like this one honestly reminded me of Chez picks a lot like Chez is one of the well-known toy photographers in the that. community I feel that and he really does focus a lot of his shots on like twin sun Tatooine and stuff like that and trooper outpost gave us this it's two of uh the the troopers assigned to go look for the droids that were missing uh after the Tana 4 was taken into the belly of the beast 
Um, and you can see them there with their full packs on, uh, their, their long gun, uh, machine rifles there. And then the twin sons of Tatooine in the background. I just think that like, it's a really well job, uh, well done job here by trooper outpost of, of catching that twin son off in the background. And then obviously the golden hour, uh, to really bring home the Tatooine sunset feel. Yeah, when you when you when you talk about them being the troopers looking for the droids, I, I'm reminded. I, I just saw. I don't know if it's a mashup, a meme, but you know when they they lift up the the ring and they're like, "Oh, there's droids here." Yeah. Someone has now turned that into that's the one ring, and then somehow <laughs> it's 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 connected in the Star Wars nice. or whatnot. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, trooper outposts. They almost predominantly just shoot these two troopers in different locations, so it's kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but like you said, this definitely channeling that Ches picks golden hour, not shower look. And, and I dig it. I mean, listen, we all love the Empire for whatever reason we have. Mine has always been they look rad as fuck. Yeah, they do. And they look rad as I fuck just, in this shot right here. Yep, exactly. 100%. Next up, this is from haunting underscore the underscore nerd on Instagram. And honestly, like. I haven't seen a ton of shots using Sith troopers from the sequel trilogy, but this, like, this is one of the best that I've seen. This is a this is a bit of an eras mashup, yeah. actually. So you have you got a Sith leading, and then the two flanking are actually purge troopers from Kenobi. Yeah, so, <laughs> so. I mean, they they definitely have have you know used some of the different eras of troopers at their own you know at their disposal and in in their own way. But I think it works really well. Like you have this, no, it does, it does. You know this this dominant figure. Actually, it wasn't there. No, that was Commander Pyre was all gold in Star Wars Resistance, right? I thought there was one all all red trooper and but maybe not maybe i'm mistaken i know there there was a red pilot von rag von from Rey. star wars resistance but i i do believe this is a straight up sith trooper this figure. is a sith trooper yeah. yeah so um i just think that it's a well staged scene so you have the the sith trooper in the foreground whipping a full black cape and then behind him like you mentioned the two purge troopers with their uh, I mean, I think it's Perch Trooper Commanders with their pauldrons on. And uh, it's set in this like nice misty kind of uh, outdoor setting. You got some uh, leafless trees in the background and some some craggy, rocky environment that they're walking yes. over. I just think it's a well-composed shot and the figures uh, look really cool uh, in the way they're captured. I've always said that when I loved... Oh, oh Jesus. Sorry. I think I just threw up. <laughs> When I loved this hobby, it was outdoor, natural settings, natural light. And that's what we have here from Haunting the Nerd. Uh, a canon update from our buddy Bat. Apparently, this dude's name was Cardinal. Captain Cardinal, Commander Cardinal, something like that. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm taking Bat's word for it. I'm too lazy to look it up. Plus, I'm driving the machine so they'd see me looking mm -hmm. it up. But it, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that we appreciate the shot from haunting underscore the underscore nerd. That's right. And then to close it out, we got to click to open. Oh, yeah. We got to uh, give us some time. Yeah. Give, give the operator here a little bit of time. And it's a good one. You, you, yeah, you, you can talk it up and a what, bit. Now I got to go, I, I do one more click. One more click. But what we have here is this. from Gree01. Gree has been a, a mainstay in the top five for many years now. And we have a very emotional uh, shot there here from 
the Clone Wars time period and it is like recreating a moment that ultimately leads us to where we are now in the Ahsoka series. It's, it's Ahsoka and Anakin standing outside the Jedi council chambers, uh, as it has literally come down that like, I think it's like right soon after this is when she's expelled. This from is the when order. she leaves. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah th- this is her walking out and telling him like, Hey man, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Like this is, like her last moments at the Jedi temple before she leaves and sets off on her own. And this is after the trial where she is essentially accused by, you know, everybody within the, the superstructure of the, of the Republic and then summarily dismissed from the order. And she's like, look, I'm, I'm gone. Like, I'm not ever going to come back. Like, and in the, uh, the line that he puts in, in the caption is really good too. The council didn't trust me. So how can I trust myself? Um, yeah, just a good moment here. Uh, uh, Anakin standing behind young Ahsoka hand on her shoulder as she, you know, faces away from the only life that she knew, like, you know, preparing to leave the, the, the Jedi order and the Republic and, and set off on her own journey for the first time ever. So I thought it was a yeah. it was a very well executed shot, very powerfully done by uh, Gree Zero One. Yeah, I, there's really not much I can I can add here. It's like grief grief found a stockpile of old school Clone Wars figures and has just been tearing it up this past week. So this I agree with Nick. This is the one that really stood out from the line of of these animated three point seven five figs that Gree's been putting out there. But that's that. Give them a follow. G-R-E-E-0-1 on Instagram. That's right. And that is the end of the top five and thus the end of our show. So, Matt, go ahead and close us out. All right. Thank you, good sir. As Nick said, that brings us to the end of E-289. Hopefully hopefully everyone enjoyed the special topic. Like I said, don't forget, it is not done. We have at least... Two more parts coming out over the next few weeks of the SWTS. But as we always like to remind you, at the end of a show, don't forget StarWarsTime.net. That's our home base on the internet, the best place to find all the important information and links you may need to get linked in with the SWTS. We've got our podcast links, that's right. What we do on the live stream gets put out one day later on podcasts. All relevant platforms, or at least the cool ones that make you look like you know what you're doing as someone that listens to podcasts. We also have our YouTube links over there, TikTok, Instagram. It's everything. StarWarsTime.net. This is where you can get looped in with the bros. All right? And we need you. We always need you. We always want more because I... I'm a greedy Star Wars podcast host. I need to feel the love. Call me the Tinkerbell of Star Wars fan podcasters. All right, so next week, strap in for the SWTS top Star Wars moments of 2023. Week after that, we're going to have a special episode of Scoundrels for you to listen to. We, we hope to meet with Zavu and Cert tomorrow evening. And our dungeon master here will take us on another adventure, picking up where we left off in episode three. Who will Chief Matt Lute, Matt Lute piss off or fuck in this episode? 
you won't know unless you tune in. That will be our Christmas gift for you. Christmas week, we are out. But we will be delivering content as always. Check for those verticals. Every day, I'm putting one out. Seems they're getting worse and worse, but I am committed to do it because Nick and I spent money, and I will make sure that that money is being used. Don't forget, there's always time for Star Wars time. And if you listen to our humble little show, the Force will be with you always.